In space, no one can hear you podcast. It's haunted phosphorescence. Everyone, this is Throw Smiley, and I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Who's joining me this week? I'm Josh Cece, and when I'm in outer space, I like to go to Flavor Country with a nice, cool menthol. Right. I'm Brian Lesh, and whenever Josh says anything, I say right. <laughs> I'm Alaric Weber, and my structural perfection is matched only by my hostility. <laughs> and this is haunted phosphorescence. <laughs> You're structural. <laughs> uh, uh, haunted phosphorescence is uh, your uh, normally known as harmless phosphorescence, but we have got your Spooktober specials coming on. We're doing instead of doing superhero movies for the month of October, we're going to be doing some spooky, scary movies. This show is brought to you by our patrons. Patrons like executive producers Michael Beckwith and Atticus Burkett. You can be a patron too. Just head over to patreon.com slash harmless entertainment. We got bonus content there. We've got Star Wars shows, music shows. There may, may possibly be a, 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 a new one or two coming at you for patrons soon. Uh, stick around and find out. Head over there. A dollar a month is all you need to join up. I think... Um I think Andrew and I are going to do a Thanksgiving movie. Ooh, that's going to be year, fun. which we hadn't before, and then probably one or two for Christmas. Nice. Um, now that phosphorescence is haunted, you know we've got a good thing going here. But uh, Thanksgiving movie, stay tuned. Nice. I'm curious to see which one that is because there's there's not as many Thanksgiving movies as there are Christmas or Halloween. No, there aren't, and the ones that are good are as good as each other. Yeah. Anyways, Patreon.com, check us out. Yeah. Are you going to do Thanksgiving? Oh, that would be rad. You just changed the ball game. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, uh, head over there, patreon.com slash harmless entertainment. Um, and oh, we've got our uh, our monthly movie coming out. Uh, that'll be probably towards the end of, uh, of uh, the... Uh, the month here, we're going to be doing an American Werewolf in London. Um, this, Ow! Ow! Uh, this week, however, on Haunted Voss, for instance, we are going to be watching and talking about Alien. Intercepted a transmission of unknown origin. Transmission? Out here? SOS. Human. Unknown. Alien. Certificate X. Exclusive engagement at the Odeon Leicester Square. Now. Any systematized transmission indicating a possible intelligent origin must be investigated. In space, no one can hear you scream. Alien. Uh, what that, is Certificate X? That's their version yeah. of Rated R. That's what I wondered. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, that, Leicester Square. I couldn't find a trailer for Alien yeah. that w had any speaking in it whatsoever. Um. So I uh, had to use the old radio trailers from from England when okay. it was released because yeah, um, all of the trailers for Alien are just like uh, just words on in space. No one can hear you scream as it slowly pans over a uh, planet and then shows us an egg. I mean, it's brilliant marketing because they revealed nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it was great when they did that. Absolutely I mean, nothing. 
you see that uh, the the lead role is the captain of the ship, and man, they hoodwink the shit out of everybody. This sure. is this is like. I mean, it's kind of amazing, but they did scream with Drew Barrymore, but the entire cast, nobody knew who the lead was until like the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. Because Sigourney Weaver was a relative unknown at the time. She was one of the least well-known of the entire cast. Yeah. Um, so, but we'll, we will get into that in the meantime, uh, alien, she grew up hard scrabble on the streets because her father, Dennis Weaver was only a TV executive. (laughs) I'm glad she made it big. Yeah. Right. Uh, wait, are you telling me nepotism may play a part in the entertainment (laughs) industry, Josh? Yes. With everyone except for Steven Spielberg, who (laughs) likes to spot you in the action. (laughs) <laughs> it's Spielberg in our window again. <laughs> I just imagine Steven Spielberg traveling the country, <laughs> visiting local bar mitzvahs. <laughs> bar mitzvah crashers. <laughs> Starring Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> uh, or Lucas. Spielberg and Lucas would be. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, uh, this movie, Alien, (laughs) was released May 25th, 1979. It has a running time of 117 minutes. It cost $11 million, and it made $106.3 million at the box office. Big at that time? Yeah, that's uh, $106.3 million in 1979 dollars. Al, can you tell us, uh, can you take the time to... uh, Figure out what that is in modern money while we move on. No. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> he gets paid for his information now. Yeah, that's right. For doing. Yeah, he gets money for math now. So <laughs> he's well, not going to do a number. One hundred and six point three million at the box office. Um, so it was a huge, mungus hit. Um, it was the biggest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is very related to Star Wars um, in many ways, not least because of the time period it came out and, and a lot 2001, of 2001, I would say. Oh, absolutely. There were some beautiful setups. So, yeah, those were currently freshly in the zeitgeist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we will get into that in the production. Um, meanwhile, it's time for us to play the box office top 10 game. 1979. So here's the thing about 1979. <laughs> here's the thing. Is that, is that it's a pretty good Smashing Pumpkins song, but there's not a lot of information about the box office on a week-to-week basis. That's what, if you Google 1979, that's what it says. It's a pretty good uh-huh. Smashing Pumpkins song, but there's not a lot of information about the so box funny. office on a week-to-week They've basis. They've been recording these things since, you know, movies began. You know, Variety and Billboard. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just funny that you go that far back and there's no info, but they've been cataloging that info. Well, at least not on Box Office Mojo. It's entirely possible. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> that the information exists. The mayor is on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Al, did you happen to find that out? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> He's still looking at his sources. Don't worry about it. We'll just play the game. Um, so, 
Instead of doing the week of May 25th, 1979, we're going to be doing the box office top 10 for the entire year of 1979. Makes so sense. this is the top 10 movies of the year 1979. Um, so, um, for, there we go. Um, so, this is for ones that were released in uh, in in the year of 1979, um, but not necessarily, you know, what they the not the biggest grocers of 79. So something was really like Superman was released at the end of 78, so it was yeah. technically the biggest grocer of 79, even though it wasn't released that year. So this is just release year 79. Okay, I've got it. Okay, what was it? 106.3 million in 1979 is worth 400 million today. today. Okay, so Holy big shit. hit. Big hit. About uh, 400.5 million. And that is wow. that is just domestic. There that's not worldwide grosses. We don't know what this did overseas. Um so um, all right, so you guys ready to jump into the box office top 10? Right. See. All right, the number 10 movie of the year. Are... <laughs> See, I'm already trying to figure out how to not just give this away with the right. first word. Um, yeah. Our lead and his newfound friends trek across America to find success in Hollywood. Oh, the Muppet movie. Yes, yep. indeed. Moving right along. The Muppet movie was the 10th biggest one. Um, some of the ones that didn't make the top 10, um, we've got The Black Hole, Manhattan, Meatballs, Escape from Alcatraz, 1941. Um, there were a lot of 1979 movies. Um, so coming in at number nine, a spy investigates the mid-air theft of a space shuttle. <laughs> And discovers a plot to commit global genocide. Moonraker. Moonraker. <laughs> yeah, Moonraker. I don't think that was the song. No. Uh, um, coming in. That, at- that was a that was a mix of uh, Goldfinger and Moon River. Right. <laughs> <laughs> James Brown's Moon River. <laughs> James Brown, James Bond, James, oh, James Brown's Moonraker. <laughs> <laughs> like this, they stole the shuttle, and I'm super bad. This is a bad new bag. That I don't want to be in. Uh, number eight: A simple-minded country boy decides to leave his family home to experience life in the big city. Is it the jerk? It's the jerk. One of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, my God. That movie is amazing. Um, Coming in at number seven, a Hollywood composer goes through a midlife crisis and becomes infatuated with a sexy, newly married woman. This is uh, Blake Edwards' joint. A fine mess? No. Hmm. Um, It stars a... Oh, crap. What was the name of that? actress she had the famously it has um the poster has oh what is her name um she she's got cornrows and she's on a beach 
Oh, Bo Derek. Bo is Derek. It ten? It's ten. Ten. ten yep. Yeah. Oh, that was a sex symbol I was confused about. Yeah, I never quite got that. There's like there's, she's she's an attractive woman, like a, a model. It is. There's but even with the cornrows. Is, I don't know. There's a number of like '60s and '70s sex symbols, and I'm like, what? What now? Yeah, those are very pretty ladies. A yeah. Poster. I don't know. They didn't take down the Galactic Empire. I don't know if a poster's name. Right? (laughs) They're not Spider-Man. Coming in at number six. A U.S. Army officer serving in Vietnam is tasked with assassinating a renegade special forces colonel. Uh, Apocalypse then. (laughs) Yes, apocalypse in a little bit. (laughs) In a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> he was Marlon Brando. He was so funny as the comic relief. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I get it. It's about the journey. <laughs> it was hard of darkness. <laughs> uh, uh, coming in at number five. Uh. There's no, okay. So after a space merchant vessel receives an unknown transmission as a distress call, one of the crew is attacked by a mysterious life form, and they soon realize that its life cycle has merely begun. <laughs> Howard the Duck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if he was an invasive species? I mean, is isn't that, he? It's <laughs> that corkscrew well, penis pro- procreating. Uh, he's Taylor. trying. Well, I guess he did bring a condom with him, so he's not trying too hard to procreate. <laughs> yo, yo, I don't need that. Don't need Again. No baby, baby mama drama. Yeah. Anybody who hasn't listened to our Howard the Duck episode, I, I must repeat this. Do not keep an open condom in your wallet. <laughs> that is not <laughs> a good way to use them. No, it's all linty. All right, the oh. alien. We're talking about alien. Yeah, number five. That condom wasn't even corkscrew shaped. No, it's that a, is a great well. Point. To be fair, though, <laughs> you know, if you get the right fleshy, size, fleshy they all palms. Are. Yeah, fleshy yeah. palms, duck boobs with hard <laughs> bill oh, nipples. For the first time since I've ever heard of Howard the Duck, I just tried to picture his dick. Oh no! This is a dark day. <laughs> dun dun. <laughs> so uh, need to go to Hunger City. So Alien was the number five movie. There are four movies that did better than Alien this year. So number four, when a spacecraft of enormous power is spotted approaching Earth, uh, an old leader resumes command of his spaceship to intercept it. Empire Strikes Back. No. Approaching Earth? Two, oh, right, my 2001? Bad. No. 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Do I hear 2022? Um, an old leader. Um, this Star is absolutely... Yes, the motion picture. The Mobo. Oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't come to mind because it should be the least seen on your Star Trek list. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a it's a bummer. It's two and a half hours of slow motion shots of them arriving at the Enterprise, arriving places. Yeah, yes. yeah. so quiet, so bald. Yeah. Oh God. Well, I mean, it got it got Gene Roddenberry taken off the series, and he was like, "No one's gonna want to watch Star Trek without me." And then they made Wrath of Khan. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, so and I think they took, I think Rathacon took some beats from Alien. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. Coming in at number three. A boxer struggles in family life while the embarrassed champ insistently goads him to accept a challenge for a rematch. Um, Adrian. Rocket two. Number two. Which uh, was important for Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> lost before. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, number two. Newlyweds and their three children move into a large house where a mass murder was committed. Poltergeist? No, not, not Poltergeist. No, no, that was 80, so 81. Amityville? 82. Amityville Horror, yep. The Amityville Horror. The OG with Thanos' dad? Yeah, James, yep. James Brolin. <laughs> the original yeah. Brolin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Brolin, Brolin, Brolin. Isn't that uh, Lois Lane, too? Doggies? Oh, was uh, Margot Kidder in that? Yeah, I think so. I don't or remember. Karen Allen. I don't, I'm not making a joke. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't Karen Allen. Yeah, I believe it was. Um, I got. Yeah. And our number one movie of the year. Ted's wife leaves him, allowing for a lost bond to be rediscovered between Ted and his son, Billy. But a heated custody battle ensues over the divorced couple's son, deepening the wounds left by the separation. Kramer oh, versus uh, Kramer. Yeah. The number one movie of the year was about wow. a divorce. Like seventy nine was rough, man. Wow. That's yeah, that's crazy. Like a Dustin Hoffman, uh, Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Meryl Streep drama about a divorce was the <laughs> yeah. beat out Alien and Star Trek and Amityville. I know it's it is that- a great movie. I will say it, it is, is good. absolutely, but it's that bullshit attitude of like only dramas can be considered serious. Yeah, yeah, it still happens. You know, how many times well, over the years has a comedy fucking deserved an Academy Award? But or I mean, a science if, fiction movie. If you're looking at the box office receipts on it, though, I mean, it, the dramas filled seats in uh, in theaters. You know, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, that's what they did. That's what the people want. Yeah, they want to feel something. Yeah, <laughs> like we're tired of not feeling. There's a great malaise over the country. <laughs> Isn't laughter and joy a feeling? No, it's no. not. I want to see. We, that's a why top I have drama cocaine. About children being murdered. That's why I have cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right. Just, that, no, sorry. Go ahead. Jeff. Sorry. No, just like I, I don't think Blazing Saddles won an Academy Award of any kind. Oh no. Oh, no. no. yeah, I mean. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, right? Was one of the first. Yeah. I think so. Or maybe a Wes Anderson one before. I don't think. Com- yeah. I don't comedies think Wes did. comedies yeah. do not win awards unless you're Woody Never Allen happened. in the 80s. Ew. Yeah. Annie Hall beats Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Annie Hall beats Star Wars. I'm sorry. I don't think. An- anyways. All right. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, well, I love Annie Hall, but it's well, better yeah. than Star Wars. What are you talking about? I mean, about? come get on. Out of here. Right? <laughs> I'm not going to have this conversation with you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, all right, that is our box office top 10, which brings us to uh, the production history of the film. Um, so this movie really got started um, 
by uh, uh, Dan Dan O'Bannon. So, yeah. have any of you guys seen Dark Star? Years ago, that yeah, was um, that's a Carpenter John Carpenter's student film. He made he made oh. it with his him and Dan O'Bannon made it together. Um, <laughs> with loose cannon O'Bannon. <laughs> I mean, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, tell me. <laughs> uh, so uh, they were when they were at USC together. Um, and it's basically alien. It's a comedy alien. That's basically what it is. Um, it's a really interesting movie. It's oh. very, very low budget, and you can tell. But uh, they, uh, it was like 30 minutes long. They got some money from a studio to make it into a full-length feature and release it. And uh, that's how Carpenter and O'Bannon both got started. Um, O'Bannon had the idea. Basically, he wanted to make a serious horror version of Dark Star. So, um, But before he could do that, he got hired on as a screenwriter for um, uh, uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Oh. Um, when that... And in doing that, that's when he uh, he met Geiger, um, yeah, and uh, became friends with H.R. Geiger. Um, I think it's Giger, but Giger. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I always said Geiger. Yeah, yeah I, I think of the Geiger counter, but yeah, yeah I think his name Giger. Is. <laughs> so also make counting. Yeah, I think I heard him say it in a documentary at one point. I was like, oh, Giger. Giger. So, well, I mean, he's German, right? Uh, Swiss, I think. No, uh, yeah, I was gonna say up in the cold country, mm. <laughs> uh, Vermont. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pronounced Giger there. Um, so no, actually, it's pronounced Giger. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dan O'Bannon, um, uh, met up then with uh Ronald Shusset. Ronald Shusset, uh, let's see, where is that? Ronald Shusset was uh, another uh, sci-fi writer, and he was working, he owned the rights to Philip K. Dick's We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. He bought those in 1974. Wow. Um, so, That's awesome. Uh, they got together, and they were trying to figure out whether they were going to make... Um, Ban O'Bannon's Bannon, not O'Bannon. O'Bannon's the guy from uh, what is it? O'Bannon okay. rules. Oh, <laughs> With, from Days and Confused. Days to no. It's yeah. O'Bannon. No, what is it? Oh, that? not O'Bannon. Just Bannon. Yes. What movie ben is that? Netflix O'Bannon character. rules. Is that from O'Doyle rules? O'Doyle rules. That's what I was thinking. Billy Madison. Okay, I was getting uh, those confused. All right. So yeah, they um, him and O'Bannon got together. They were trying to figure out, and they decided they were going to do Alien before. Um, I can remember for you wholesale, which um, I can remember for you wholesale. Uh, they later actually did get made, and it was called Total Recall. Yep. Hmm. Um, they both worked on it together. Um, it was written. They have a both have a writing credit on it, and uh, Ronald Shusset um, also has a production credit. Obviously, it was directed by Paul Verhoeven. Um, so. Uh, Let's see. Shusset also went on to, uh, let's see, he made Above the Law. Um, he was a producer on Minority Report. He, oh, uh, he, that's a great dick adaptation. Yeah, it is. He did, uh, he wrote Free Jack. <laughs> um, Free Jack's cool. Free Jack's cool. 
Uh, so yeah. Uh, meanwhile, O'Bannon, um, after okay, so he O'Bannon was working on Dune, and then they started getting this made after um, they decided to do this one after they saw Star Wars. Basically, um, O'Bannon. Um, they sold it to a production company that was working with 20th Century Fox. And then uh, two guys by the name of David Giller and Walter Hill were brought on to uh, do rewrites, which <laughs> O'Bannon was pissed off about and almost left because of. Um, <laughs> David Geiler, uh, his notable things, at, he he's kind of just an industry guy. He was mostly a producer. Um, but he, uh, let's see, he was a, he wrote the Parallax View, um, Fun with Dick and Jane. Uh, he went on, he wrote the Money Pit. He was the head writer for <laughs> Alien 3. So, uh, yeah, uh, he, uh, and since then he just basically produces alien movies, alien and predator movies. Um, Walter Hill, uh, was, has a little bit more uh, creative uh, creative uh, creds on him. He, prior to this, uh, was the writer and director of The Warriors. Uh, yep. He wrote and directed 48 Hours. He wrote Brewster's Millions. Um, <laughs> another 48 Hours. Uh, last, He wrote and directed Last Man Standing. So um, he's a little more of a creative, but... After after this movie, O'Bannon basically spent the rest of his career kind of he he worked on let's see he he worked on Return of the Living Dead, um, and of course the uh, Total Recall. He has that writing credit on Total Recall, but he mostly just kind of executive produced alien movies and just he just kind of sat around and made money as the creator of alien for the so next he, until he died dan o'bannon yeah he did a lot of novelizations and stuff too alien cool. novelizations and, or and and star wars and oh, other yeah. things too. in general that's cool. yeah um so originally uh this film um let's see it had a three million dollar budget that got upped at a certain point when they brought in um when they brought in ridley scott originally um let's see this oh so yeah o'bannon pitched this as jaws in space which is you know yeah okay. makes a lot of sense uh yeah so ridley scott was brought on um Oh god, where was it? Uh Ridley Scott says that there was a few few names being tossed around as directors, but when Ridley Scott br- got brought on, that's when it really started picking up steam. Um he pitched it or he said he, his view of it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space. <laughs> Just <laughs> pick a movie and say it's in space. In space. And yeah. That's what this is. That's how Star Trek got sold. Yeah, and it was like wagon train in, in space. space. Yeah, um, so I I want to correct myself. It's not Dan O'Bannon. I got Alan Dean Foster and Dan O'Bannon mixed up in my head. Oh, okay. Yeah, Let's Alan Dean Foster. Yeah. <laughs> different. Yeah, very different people. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, as far as the casting goes, um, they wrote all the parts as uh, inter 
changeable. Um, they only have single names. They could be men or women. Casting was completely open. Um, so, uh, and this, um, obviously casting was kind of key here. They specifically cast the bigger, the people that died first as larger names, larger acting names. That's why we get Tom Skerritt, Harry Dean Stanton, uh, John Hurt, um, because they were the bigger names and people were going to be shocked when they died first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see, Ridley Scott, of course, uh, best, well, I don't know. Is he best known for Alien, or is he best known for Blade Runner? Oh, what that Noah it? movie that he made, man. That's <clears throat> definitely... Uh... What had he done before this? The Duelist. This was his second movie. Prior to this, he made The Duelist, which was uh, set in like uh, the 17 or early 1800s. Yeah, one duel. Yeah. Um, so when duels were not had at a quick trip, <laughs> but of course, you know, he's Ridley Scott's, this is the second Ridley Scott film we did. We did the Martian for a monthly movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, his career's crazy. He has so many like all time classic movies. And then like in between them, a bunch of shit that you're like, what the fuck is this? I think he has a movie on its way at the House of Gucci, I believe is He's his. got that. It, it looks really good actually. The last the last duel or the last yeah. that's him oh. with uh what? like 30, 30 guys Matt, in it. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck and uh Adam Driver. I know. Yeah, wild. Well, and Gladiator. I just watched Gladiator two nights ago. Oh, that's yeah. That is such a good Ooh. movie. But the duel apparently was um they had like like three scenes left to shoot in April of 2020 when they had to shut down. And so they, they had to shut down for like 10 months and then come back and spend like a week shooting. Jeez. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, um, our cast, Tom Skerritt as Dallas, the captain. Um, what's, what's, it's weird. It's funny to me, the uh, connections I make. Cause the first movie I ever saw where I like recognized Tom Skerritt as being Tom Skerritt was, um, Poltergeist three. So I always think of yeah, him as the guy from Poltergeist three, even though it's like one of the least movies he ever did. I always and, think um, of him from Top Gun. Oh yeah. Well, of course he's most, yeah. uh, he was also in up in smoke. Yeah. Yeah, he hey. was. Poltergeist three. I I was I watched the first Poltergeist the other day. Does the kid live with her family or does she live alone in an apartment building? The description was vague. They all live in a penthouse. Um, hmm. It's a brand new one, but I think it was also built on some. <laughs> you know, if you think about the population of all humankind over the years, everywhere is potentially a burial ground. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. There's a lot of stuff. You're buried a lot of places. On- bones but the crazy thing about part three is that um she died yeah before it was filming even, yeah before it was even done the and kid, so right? her Girl? yeah so yeah. the kid yeah. so they rewrite it um as if she becomes not just possessed like in other movies but has a different face like a little goblin face mm-hmm. that oh. they were able to have a little person finish the movie for it's it's very weird yeah weird man. but it's- i totally remember scared from it oh yeah absolutely um, he also, uh, let's see, uh, he was in MASH, Harold, and Ma- Ma- the movie MASH, not the show, Harold and Maude, um, oh, Space Camp, you guys remember Space Camp? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, 
Uh, oh, Steel Magnolias. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we've got uh, Sigourney Weaver, of course, is Ripley. <laughs> At In this film, referred to only as Ripley. She did not become Ellen Ripley until the sequel. Yep. Yeah. Um, and this, is this her first? Let's see. I, I think it was. This might be her first or, credit. Yeah. Uh, at least her first lead. Absolutely her first lead. Um, Which we didn't know at first. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know she was the lead <laughs> when this started. Uh, that seems cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so and, like, uh, oh, her first film, she was in Annie Hall. She had a small role in Annie Hall. Huh. Um, yeah. Um, and then she was also in the 1978 Durang play Titanic, the, the stage production of Titanic, <laughs> uh, in which she played the iceberg. Um, <laughs> it's a good idea, but we need like a conflict. Yeah. Um, so apparently, um, Veronica Cartwright, who played, uh, 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 Lambert was uh, thought she was playing Ripley and didn't find out she wasn't until she got to the set, hmm. which is rough oh. for her. Yeah, Veronica Cartwright. Um, she was uh, she started out as a child actor. She was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, um, The Birds. Um, but uh, <laughs> she was Bird Number Thirty Seven. <laughs> um. Is that why she seems pissed off in the movie? I was gonna. It say, might be. Yeah, I, she definitely yeah. used that emotion. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, Ridley Scott did some Kubrick level shit on this movie because Yafet Koto was told to annoy Sigourney Weaver throughout production, and he like has reg- said he regretted it afterwards because he really Aww. liked her. Yeah, but it brought some great performance. Well, out. and Ridley Scott actually filmed a lot of their dress rehearsals, so a yeah. lot of them sitting around their tables. They weren't. They were just kind of like improving, riffing off each other, dress rehearsal, as a yeah. like. Um, right. They didn't, and um, so originally O'Bannon, um, like the so he's not he's not well known as a writer for human characters. <laughs> he's a great <laughs> like in the same way Lucas isn't really known. He's a good idea right. guy, but um, he. So uh, that's what the the writers that were brought in did and what Ridley Scott really focused on. He was like, no, we've got the alien stuff down. It's scary. We've got these special effects guys working on it. It's going to be great, but we need to actually care about these people. And O'Bannon was like, do we need to bother with caring about people? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, uh, okay, so yeah, Veronica Cartwright, uh, she was... um, she was in Going South, Flight of the Navigator. Oh, Witches of Eastwick. Wasn't Oh. Was, was huh. she the lady that got that died that like had like the the cherries? Who was she? I think that I, I haven't seen that in a minute. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long time. I watched it about two months ago. So but um uh Harry Dean Stanton as uh Yeah. yeah. Harry Dean Stanton as a uh, what's his character's name? It's um Parker. 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 Yes. Or was he Bert? Brett? Brett. He's Brett. He's Brett. Yafet is Brett. Yafet is, is Parker. Parker. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Um. Okay. So one of the... yeah, Harry Dean Stanton, of course, like consummate character actor, um, legendary. 
Godfather Part Two, Cool Hand Luke. Uh, oh, he was the dad in Christine. Uh, Repo Man, oh. Pretty in Pink. Um, Repo Man. Oof. Oh, he was in what? Last Temptation of Christ. He's been in oh, so much. So, so much. He's even appeared in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we saw him in the Avengers. That's right. And I love his, I love his, yeah, because Joss had worked with him before. I'm not sure on what, but um, yeah. You're from outer space? No, I'm not. Then, son, you got yourself a condition. <laughs> yeah. Harry Dean Stanton, man, all time legend. Uh, John. Um, he, he seemed so young in this. So young. Yeah, he did. But he was actually, oh, he's born in 1926. So he was mm-hmm. 52 when they filmed this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All, but um, comparatively, he seemed so young. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and in his review of this film, um, Ebert makes the point that um, all of the cast is over 40, except for, for uh, Sigourney Weaver and uh, Veronica Cartwright. Um, and so it's it has a lot more gravitas to it just immediately than you know a lot of the slasher films or horror films of the time did because those were all yeah. teenagers so yeah. instantly by having a bunch of 40 year old dudes it becomes like a lot heavier and a lot you know there's a it, it there feels like there's more to it yeah it feels more grown up just from that it's true it's a good point um and they seem like they've been at their job for a while like they were all pros yeah so that was the big thing i mean that's kind of the biggest deal with this is that um you know other than the fact that it's a horror movie set in space which was a novel idea at the time um is that um they uh were it it had the they got that's what they got from star wars was the used universe yeah but something that was theirs and like their alone was space is a job these aren't like adventurers they're not out there saving the galaxy (laughs) they're truckers they're hauling Mm -hmm. some ore back to earth absolutely great and this is written and filmed to be like naturalistic instead of fantasy Mm -hmm. you know yeah it it feels like people sitting around eating lunch in between shifts yeah absolutely absolutely They're, they're bitching about their pay you know the work. No one appreciates the work they're doing. They're annoying and funny mm-hmm. and kind of catty with each other. Yeah, in in ways that we haven't seen. I I can't think of another movie that's written like this. Yeah, yeah, and I, um, they're smoking. There's a cat on board. Yes, and yeah. And those those might seem silly, but they just reinforce that this has been around a a while, this technology and this way of life and everything that they found a way to adapt outer life into inner. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. It does a great job of making this seem like old hand to these characters. They're not explorers. They're truck drivers. And this is not their first trek across the galaxy. Yeah. They just want to get across the ice road and get fucking home. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bring you your flat screens. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And that was, I, I mean, that was, that's a big deal. Like this is, it was a very, very novel idea in 1979. Yeah. There is no Flash Gordon here at yes. all. Which is crazy. Yeah. Cause this is, this came out like a year after Flash Gordon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, John Hurt. 
as uh, what was his name? It was Kane. K- Kane. I knew it was a K. John Hurt is Kane. Um, John, legendary, the legendary John Hurt. He got a, um, let's see, he was in a man for all seasons. Um, he, uh, Midnight Express. He, uh, got an Academy oh, yeah. Award nomination for that one. Um, later on, he was in The Elephant Man. Um, oh, he was in the Harry Potter series. We saw him in Hell, the Hellboy. 1984. Yeah. 1984, that's right, yeah. And, and V for Vendetta. And right? V for Vendetta, which yeah. was, yeah, the other 1984. Yeah, playing the same role. Yeah. Um, Indiana Jones, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, he played the war doctor in uh, the relaunch of Doctor Who back in the early 20-teens. So that. that was good, yeah. Um, kind of the peak of that. Um, oh, his voice acting. He was in The Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, Ralph Bakshi. Uh, film. Um, <clears throat> he was. He did uh, in Watership Down, which was. I feel like no one talks about Watership Down anymore. That one. That was a big part of my childhood. Dramatic. Yeah, I watched it a lot as a kid, and it was intense. I read the book numerous times, and I watched the cartoon quite a few times. But yeah. Um. So yeah, John Dirt. Uh, and we've seen him before in uh, Hellboy. Yep, in Hellboy. Yep. Uh, Sir Ian Holm. Um, he just passed. Away, he just passed away last year. Ian Holm did. Um, yeah. So uh, as Ash <laughs> he was called home. Aww. Ian Holm. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, he he. Uh, let's see. His uh, film debut was the Bofors Gun. <laughs> Okay. Thanks. The Gophers Bun? The Bofors Gun. Yeah. Uh let's see. Chariots of Fire, Brazil, um, The Fifth Element. Um, and of course, uh Bilbo in Lord of the Rings. Wasn't he Napoleon and Time Bandits? Yes, Napoleon and Time Bandits. That's right. Oh, yeah. So we've talked about him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's easy in home. He's great. Um Yafet Kodo. Uh, as, uh, uh, what did we decide? He was Parker, 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 Parker. as Parker. Um, oh my God, he was in the running man. I forgot about that. I haven't seen that movie in a while. Which bond was he in? He was a villain. Live Live and and let die. Live and let die. Yeah. Uh, My favorite one. Yeah. Um, he was in midnight run. As we talked about. Yep. Yep. He was, well, he was, uh, he was another bounty hunter, wasn't he? Yeah, or the cop. Was he the cop? I can't remember. I haven't seen Midnight Run in like 15 years. I can't remember. Um, yeah. Uh, let's, yeah, I mean, Yafet Koto, he's he's another kind of great uh, uh, character actor. He's been in so many things. Um, uh, oh, so he, this, is, this is a little known uh, tidbit. Um, he was the second lead, he, he was... He was almost cast as Jean-Luc Picard. Wow. Really? Whoa. Um, yeah, he was the second choice after uh, Patrick Stewart. I could see it. He's He's I got could, a lot. Know? Yeah, he's got a lot going on. He's funny and he's serious. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I could see why he came to the audition. It, it would make sense. But wow. He's, also, he's imposing like Idris Elba. He's like a gigantic man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let's start an online petition. Right. Uh, <laughs> Got the film this series with Got <laughs> He he died this year. Aw. Oh. Yeah. yeah, he did. Uh, uh, yeah, March 15th. Yep. Oh god, everybody. <laughs> yes, everybody. <laughs> everybody dies from all god damn time. It. Um and uh, rounding out our cast, uh, not seen, we didn't see his face on screen, but um, Balahi Badejo as the alien. Yeah. And the uh, Nigerian visual artist, uh, uh, he did a, let's see, um, not much about him, honestly. This was his big, big film role. <laughs> Other than this, he, they literally found him in a bar. Yeah, he was he was tall and skinny, and they went, "You could be an alien. You can do it." Yeah, he was six six foot ten. He oh wow, he passed away in nineteen ninety. Six foot ten. Yeah, six ten. And lanky hoosh. Yeah, he passed away um, in nineteen ninety two from sickle cell anemia at the age of thirty nine. So that's a bummer. Um, yeah. So uh, that about rounds out our. since there's only one more, we may as well mention Helen, uh, Helen, Helen Horton, the voice Helen of Horton. mother. Mother, yeah. I get that right. Yeah, yeah. Helen and the cat, Jonesy. <laughs> oh Jones. yeah, I didn't yeah. get who. I didn't get the name of the cat who played Jones. Yeah, Jones is uncredited on uh, IMDb. Yeah, he's nope. the same cat well, that appears in Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Jones, Oops. Jones, Jones actually appears in. Aliens, but I assume it's a different cat considering it was made seven years later. <laughs> yeah. Time is weird. Are cat years the same in space? <laughs> well, I mean, he also got a. Oh, uh, nobody can hear you speak. Cryo frozen. Yeah, he got cryo frozen. So, um, yeah, Helen Horton played the voice of mother. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, she's the grandmother of Lily James. Hmm. Uh, she, was in, she was in Superman 3. Who was she in Superman 3? Uh, Mrs. Henderson. I don't remember Mr. Henderson. Is that, is that, is that the lady Henderson. next to the guy on roller skates? Uh, oh, Miss Henderson. The the secretary, right? Or like the... No, the, different, the, the sister? I'm not sure. I, I can't remember. She either could have been at the unemployment office or she could have been one of the couple that went that won the trip to Brazil or Colombia. Oh, or I bet that's I, yeah. She looks like a normal human. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, the her <laughs> her other her other credits. Um gosh, she was in a bunch of TV and um like not very well known films throughout the fifties and sixties. Um but she was in the Razor's Edge. Oh, she was in the Benny Hill show for six episodes. <laughs> It's hard to tell because she's moving at three times the speed. Well, right? and isn't isn't the voice of mother in this movie only the countdown for the self destruct sequence? Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert for yeah. those of you that haven't seen the movie yet. Yep. I believe so. Yeah. 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 So, all right, that is our production. This film was reviewed by Siskel and Ebert. Ooh, before thumbs. An exciting moment from Alien, the outer space horror Inable. film that is setting box office records all across the United States. Alien, which I gotta admit scared me. I gotta admit it scared me too. Oh, all right. It's just <laughs> one of five new films we'll be reviewing on sneak previews. Two film critics discussing the latest movies in town. Now, the other guy who said he's scared is Roger Ebert, the film critic for the Chicago Sun-Times. My fellow chicken on today's <laughs> program is Gene Siskel, film critic of the Chicago Tribune. 
Two of the most successful genres of the last five years have been science fiction and horror films, and Alien is both. It's a combination of some of the best space hardware since Star Wars and the most gruesome bug-eyed monster since The Creature from the Black Lagoon. The movie begins aboard a gigantic intergalactic freighter where the crew is in suspended animation until the onboard computer awakens them for an emergency. Mm -hmm. Anyway, mm -hmm. they go on, on board that mysterious ship and they wind up bringing back an extremely unwelcome guest on board <laughs> their own ship, an alien creature that's the movie's most original invention. Now, I don't want to give away too much. I'm not giving away too much when I say it's kind of a cross between a squid and a spider <laughs> and the thing. And it's not real great to look at because its body is covered with extraterrestrial intestines. And the humans battle for survival. The alien oozes around the ship like a mucous membrane from outer space. And the movie is one of the scariest old-fashioned space operas I can remember. Well, it did scare me, too. I looked away, and I was yelling with, like, a few other people, it's going to hit them on the floor, it's going to come from the ceiling. It's in the, in the next row, it's behind me in the yeah. theater. Right. Uh, but I, I want to say that, you know, strip away all the beautiful scenery and the evocative weirdness of the picture... Uh, what we really have here is basically the haunted house film, only instead of a wild creature running around in a haunted house, we've got a wild creature running around in a spaceship. And so this is not the greatest science fiction film ever made, even though it seems to be doing very well across the country. It's, well, I think the combination of horror and science fiction is a very appealing one right now, very commercial. There is one moment, though, mm -hmm. when the film does transcend just that horror, haunted spaceship sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's in this scene we just saw, as it goes on a little bit further, they enter that spaceship. They go inside, they find the alien pilot all desiccated uh, from his voids that might have taken place millions of years ago, and then they go into that big, enormous cavern down below, and what they find there and so forth. gives you a real sense, I mean, from the point of view of art direction and everything else, that this could have been an alien ship. It's not just another TV or movie creation. Yeah, one consumer point. A lot of young people are probably going to want to see this picture. They love horror films. This one's pretty bloody. It is pretty violent. And I think a lot of people, adults and kids, are going to be turned off and maybe frightened too much by it. So for young kids, certainly, this is not a picture to go see. It's R-rated. Yeah, for a, a reason. Yeah, there's a reason for it. Okay. Alien, the R-rated science fiction thriller with the creepiest monster in years, also got two yes votes, but... Oh, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, <laughs> Note, notice the photo that they're using is Tom Skerritt in the spacesuit. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, they are they are really keeping it under wraps that uh, um, Sigourney Weaver is the lead. Like, they are not yeah. giving that away. Good on them for not even mentioning it in the review, too. Because at that point, I figure in 79, people would have been like, a movie with a lady? <laughs> no, well, and it was... It was back when you could keep things on the low, but like, mm. what a reveal of a creature. That's what yeah. Rod and Gene were saying, and I'm sure that's part of why they had to say yes. Like, his it wild to see it. You didn't expect it when you did see it. It was it was very much different than anything you'd ever seen. I don't mean the face hugger. Yeah. Oh, dude, the mucous membrane moving throughout the ship. Oh, the way he describes it gave me the creeps. And I love this movie. I've seen it dozens of times. But he's accurate. They yeah. do that a lot. They just they just plainly describe what it is. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. That's not a critique. And it, Well, and it goes to show how <laughs> otherworldly the design is. I, I really liked yeah. Roger. I don't want to focus too much on the review, but Roger going and saying, like, you know, it's not just a horror movie like uh, a haunted house movie the lore that they built in with the just the single shot of yep. the space jockey in the chair oh god opens yeah. up the universe to like what is that what is that thing that's a yeah. question that people ask for 30 years there yeah absolutely there's so much going on in the background so many little things that's something they got 
I don't know if they got it from Star Wars, but that's something it shares in common with with specifically A New Hope, the original Star Wars, is yeah. the just having things, the lived-in universe. There's things. The it's on the universe, it's on the yeah. screen. They mention it. There's something in the background. They don't explain it. It's just there for you to see the, and extrapolate from. The eggs are interesting, though, um, because yeah. we we are led to believe that how they procreate is through another organism. Obviously, not just humans because they're they're ancient. But where does the laying of the eggs come in then? Yeah, it, it even, even the skeletal pilot has the face hugger, yeah, um, bones on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then that's the thing. So here, yeah. So I mean, that's Jude was asking like, how does this procreate? And I do like break it down and be like, okay, so it lays an egg, then the egg hatches, and the face hugger attaches to another creature and then puts its spores or its its you know fetus whatever it is into its stomach and then that gestates inside the other creature and bursts out some spiders do that actually but not i don't know know if it's to a living spider or not but yeah well and and this 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 movie leaves a lot of things unanswered that aliens attempts to then yeah. Put put a little bit more into the detail behind it, but still not a ton. Yeah. 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 Aliens yeah. still doesn't like get real in depth with explaining things. Well, yeah. they don't. Yeah. It, it well, came out of nowhere. They don't know what it is. You guys didn't watch the director's cut, right? No, no. I just watched yeah. the original. So, and, and neither did I, but I've seen the director's cut. And in the director's cut, there are a few scenes that they put in that kind of explain a little bit more about the life cycle of the alien race, not as individuals. Cause they are a, they are a, a, not a hive mind, but they work as a hive like bees or ants. Um, and you can see that this single alien was doing stuff that would lead to the results that we get in aliens, mm. um, yeah. build it, building a nest, that kind of thing, building a hive. Mm. Yeah, and well, so and so Ridley Scott said that um, the aliens take on some of the traits of the whatever they gestate inside. So that's why that one oh. came out looking human, human esque, mm-hmm. had like a vaguely human shaped body. Okay, we we see an alien three. That's where they really explore that idea. Yeah, with the buffalo. I think there's a dog. Yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, one of the alien versus predator movies. Yeah. We get the, the alien predator hybrid. Yeah. Prometheus, oh. uh, later on in the same universe, we get the, uh, the space jockey alien thing ish mm-hmm. thing. They're not the same, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. cool. It's an interesting concept. It's kind of like the thing in that sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is kind of. So, um, this movie has 98% on rotten tomatoes. <laughs> It's it's pretty good. It's a pretty yeah, good movie. It's an all right movie. Yeah. So, um, are you guys ready to go ahead and jump on into it? Wait, let me get the cat. <laughs> <laughs> My interest begins in nine. Well, while he counts, I'm going to refill my flamethrower. <laughs> my on a spaceship. Uh, here we go. Smoking. This is Alien. We open on space. It's big. 
really big. <laughs> it's the place to be. <laughs> uh, we get a title, a slow title, and a slow pan to a spaceship. This movie was so... I mean, I know part of it's that it was made in a slower era of filmmaking, but it is very specifically slowly in like plot. Like everything feels like very like inevitably slowly coming at you. You know, something's coming. We're going to get there, but it's taking its time. Uh, I mean, probably what space travel. Every time I watch this movie, I watch this movie way too much. I love this movie. I go to turn it on and I don't know where to set the volume in the beginning. And the first sounds that the spaceship makes never fails to startle the shit out of me. I'm like, oh, God, I turned it way too loud. Mm. Because that long, like, 35, 45 seconds to a minute of just doo-doo-doo as it slowly spells the word alien on screen. That so From 20th Century Fox until the computer starts turning on was two minutes and 45 seconds. Yeah, oh. it's incredible. Mm. Um, I You mentioned the 20th Century Fox intro, the really grainy... 1970s version, yeah. 70s version. I uh, just want to make yeah. a brief mention of it. It might come up again in the show. There's a video game called Alien Isolation that is one of the pinnacle forms of video game media in this universe. They use the same intro. Nice. as Because cool. it's a 20th Century Fox property, and it looks just like this. It feels like you are stepping into that universe because... The title, you know, Fanfare is the same and it's got that film mm-hmm. grain. It's incredible. If you've never had a chance to play it and you get a chance, play it for five minutes and you will be terrified. Nice. <laughs> uh, cool. So, all right. Um, after uh, the pan to the ship, it's the Nostromo. Its systems begin to wake up and it wakes up its crew who are in cryogenic sleep. Um, they wrap. So, I just like all the misleads through this are just incredible. Like I just can't get over how much they focus on John Hurt, who was the biggest star in the film and Tom Skerritt, who plays the captain. We yep. barely see anything about Ripley. Um, this opening sequence, the, the chamber, the, the cryogenic chamber, this mm-hmm. is one of my favorite film <laughs> tricks in the movie. There's a mirror running down the center of this scene oh. to make it look like this room is twice as big. They built half of this huh. and mm. mirror image that to make it all look the same when they all open up like that. It's just oh, a wow. cool trick. Huh. There's a lot of tricks in this movie that just blow my mind. Also, the ship, the Nostromo, its original name was Snark. <laughs> the Snark. <laughs> the Snark, and then the Leviathan, and then the Nostromo. Like, the, the Leviathan, it at least doesn't sound ridiculous as a yeah this movie definitely improved at every rewrite well yeah and that's you know that's the thing is o'bannon it uh, watch dark star (laughs) there's it's basically a bunch of stoner dudes hanging out (laughs) in space for like for an hour and a half um so all right uh let's see we meet they browse themselves they have breakfast we meet everybody We've got Dallas, the captain. Ripley's the warrant officer. She's uh, the third in charge. Lambert is the navigator. Brett and Parker are engineers. Kane's the first officer. And Ash is the science officer. And, of course, Jones the cat. I I noted that they still have toy drinking birds in the future. Oh, the little guys that go up and down? Do you think they left those running while they were in cryosleep? To see if, like, when they got out, they'd be <laughs> still drinking the water. No, it was um, running the computer, like Homer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why they stopped. The bird fell over. 
Uh, um, so, all right. Uh, Dallas is called to the interface room of the ship's AI, which they refer to as mother. Um, I, I so this moment when it happens, you get the like, and Ash says to him, like, mother wants to talk to you. And he goes, oh, yellow light for my eyes only. I, I have a feeling that as they were editing the movie, they added the sound to make it less obvious that Ash was the android mm. because if he had just been too perceptive all along we would have been more suspicious of him yeah there, there's a lot of things like rewatching this point. watching it with a critical eye like they were really trying to hide this thing that they were also trying to make kind of apparent to us no they did a great job um keeping ashes um be ash being an android um of like uh, on rewatch, obvious, but also yeah. not at all obvious on a first watch. His beady little eyes darting around at every conversation, mm-hmm. you know, like he's just <laughs> he's just not trustworthy, but also. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, all right. Uh, he's informed that they've been woken up early to investigate a signal from an uninhabited planet. The rest of the crew get to work and they realize that they're not near Earth where they were expecting to wake up. Um we discover the crew is hauling ore back to Earth from a mining planet. Dallas informs the crew about the situation, and despite the protests of Brett and Parker, um, they decide to go to the planet and check out the signal because it's in their contract. Yeah, the whole dystopia, like boring dystopian um, corporate, <clears throat> like oligarch world they live in is all too real. I got well, and, and it's also what was that James Cameron fucking uh Avatar? Yes, Avatar. Mm. Similar situation, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like retired space marines that now work for a company. Well, yeah, but I mean can can you not see like the Amazon spaceship where the crew has to haul the ore back for Jeff Bezos into being in water bottles, you know, yeah. cuz yeah. they can't take a break. Um this uh, this and this trope forever became part of science fiction. It makes me think of Rick and Morty. You know, you get that mysterious signal. It's like, oh, it's a distress signal. We have to stop. It's the rule of space. Mm-hmm. It's how, no, it's how they reintroduced the Guardians in what, Endgame? Or, I don't know. Rock, oh, in Infinity War. Yeah. Rocket and um, they're responding to a distress call. Yeah. And Quill and Rocket basically say the, the same thing. Like, well, we save them. They pay us. Um, they don't pay us. We take their shit. This is how the beginning of the the Expanse, which is hugely inspired by mm. Alien. Um, I'll try not to talk about the Expanse too much during this. But the first thing that happens in the story is they get a distress signal, and they're like, "We have to answer it because if we're in that situation, we we want someone to come save us because we are how many weeks away from from rescue, and they could be running out of oxygen." Um, and, yeah. You know, and dying it's a close staple. to death. It, it's a cornerstone of Star Trek story. Yeah, line. yeah. Well, and especially because the f- Federation w- would have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, regulation. Well, and it's it's a trope now, but the whole like it's not a distress signal; it's a warning. I, th- I yeah, feel, I feel like this might have been the the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an ambush. Yeah, um, I had a a couple of notes. I think we passed all of them of uh, at the dinner table. Um, Kane says i feel dead i thought that was a great uh, for, kind of you, foreboding you line. look dead yeah yeah <laughs> to a laugh uh, everybody laughs at yeah. it yeah <laughs> um 
Two, future computers uh, run on DOS. So everybody sell <laughs> your Microsoft and Apple stock. Yeah. <laughs> We're going back, baby. Right. Make uh, America DOS and, again. And this is a trash truck. This thing is as low budget as they could possibly make it. They're trying to squeeze every penny out. Yeah, so it's a hauler. It's, yeah. It's made to last. Who knows how long it's been in service? Um, yeah. So they, I, I just oh, have to oh. say, as somebody who, um, who works for uh, the government, if uh, we, we have systems running on DOS still. <laughs> we yeah. do. Yeah, I'm true. Um, the the name of the the mines they were coming from were were yeah was the Solomons. Mm-hmm. Oh, Solomons um, mines. Yeah. And um, traffic and traffic control is in Antarctica. Yeah, uh, that was interesting. A, a character moment we get because because Lambert is saying like oh we're I'm I'm looking I'm looking for where we're at and Ripley just keeps repeating. We're not in our system. It's not our system. She's that's not her job, but she is very aware. She is right. situationally aware, and that's established the first line out of her mouth. Basically, if, if you watch, if you watch her carefully, she's clearly the only one who isn't who who doesn't make mistakes throughout. Like who's yeah, aware of what's happening, rule, yeah. follows it's, the it's rules, continuous. the quarantine thing. Yeah. Absolutely. She's paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like bare minimum, she is paying attention to what is going on. Mm-hmm. You're right. Everybody else is checked out because they're on yeah. their way home and they're not far. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, so they detach their ship from the main cargo portion of the vessel and head down to the planet. Um, it's rough going entering the atmosphere. And when they land, the ship is damaged. Brett and Parker tell them it will take 25 hours to repair the ship. I It'll loved, take 17. I love this. And he this. tells them 25 hours. <laughs> Under That's promise, you do that. over deliver. I say that uh-huh. so often at work. Yeah. And it's true. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. And their technical mumbo jumbo yes. just made no sense. Like <laughs> secondary load sharing unit is out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and <laughs> another word for a sister wife, right? There and there's a couple of there's a couple of lines in that that kind of help us. Uh, suspend disbelief that they're not going to be able to see everything that's happening on every deck of the ship. Because what is it like deck C and D? We don't have visual, this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And, and at one point, uh, Dallas says like, we don't need that to take off. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're establishing that we are doing this kind of with one hand tied behind our back. The ship is not fully functioning as a result. Right. Exactly. Um, so, all right. They attempt to contact the source of the transmission, but they're unable to get a response. Dallas makes the decision that he, Kane, and Lambert will go out into the uh, planet's atmosphere to investigate the source, which is within walking distance. 2,000 meters, I think they said? Yep. Yeah. So uh, these spacesuits that they were using were not ventilated. It's 1979. Nobody ever thought to put an air conditioner inside the thing for an actor's comfort. Yeah. <laughs> like... like uh, Chewbacca. Like, that guy was sweating to death. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. In that thing, Darth Vader sweating to death in that thing. Every little Ewok. Um, yeah. They, they said that the <laughs> actors, the three actors wearing these spacesuits, were constantly passing out on set. <laughs> and they were giving them oxygen to get them back up so they could film again. And they were getting, you know, uh, diminishing returns as, as these actors are more and more worn out. So they got children to play in this, because there are smaller versions of the suit, to put them next to the ship. Oh. So the ship looks bigger. 
they had children doing it and the children kept passing out from heat exhaustion and they kept giving the children oxygen. (laughs) And at that point they changed the suits to be a little bit more comfortable temperature wise. (laughs) They did this for days before they changed. You got to love like anything like prior to the nineties in the filmmaking industry where they're like, I don't know, we're just going to actually do the thing. And if we die, we die. It's prior to that. What was the movie where the helicopter killed the the folks? That was uh, Twilight Zone. Yeah, John Twilight Land, Zone. John piece, Morrow. Piece, when piece of shit John Landis, who we will be <laughs> looking into, who made one of my favorite yeah. movies, yeah. Um, American Werewolf in London. Um, but like, yeah, total piece of shit, John Landis. And that is a, a result of that changed a lot of these rules where you couldn't be so flippant with people's health and lives. And I mean, like the fucking salt mines, you know, you're mm-hmm. making a film, get in the salt mines. Well, I mean, Jesus, like the old days, like extras literally would die <laughs> and they would just yeah. continue you know, filming. Harold Lloyd performed every single one of his stunts. Mm. And that seems antiquated and, and old, but like. Dude stood perfectly so that uh, the facade of a house could fall mm-hmm. over him and not hit him. Like time did just right so the window. Yeah, no, know, jumping was, onto trains. Was that Harold or was it? Yeah. Wait, wasn't that Buster Keaton with the house? He may have done it, but I, I watched a documentary recently about oh. Harold Lloyd and just like, yeah, how balls to the wall, how many bones he broke. There was one where um, a tra- he was getting on a train. There was something. And the the narration was like he broke X amount of bones in this take. Well, like Ben Hur, there was the guy who died in the chariot race in Ben Hur. Oh yeah, and, right. And nowadays we look at Tom Cruise and like, oh, he broke his leg on that Mission Impossible movie, and right. they will show that clip. On, it'll be on loop on the internet for the rest of time. Like, does Tom do his own stunts? Question mark. Yeah, Tom's going into space <laughs> to yeah. film a movie. He is? Yeah, he's yeah. going to film a movie in space. Wait, what God. the fuck does that mean in space? He's what? going into a spaceship and orbiting <laughs> Earth, know. and they're going to film a movie while he's up there. Yeah, rather than using the Vomit Comet to get him in zero G, he's actually going to be in low Earth orbit. It's it's kind of cool, but at the same time, like, how much is that insurance costing right. the studio? Were they going to the International Space Station? Yeah. 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 Where would well, they- and... And at this time of recording, there is a Russian actress and a Russian director filming a a feature length film about a doctor in the space station. It's weird. The space station. Yeah, okay. yeah, that yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> but well, it's where we're at currently is weird because we're we're kind of coming full circle. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, what's crazy is that um, fucking Lex Luthor is basically derailing our trip to the moon. Yeah, fuck that guy, man. Yeah, fuck yeah, and just fuck like that with guy. everything, you know, the the goal is not to expand humankind's horizons or anything like immediately, you know, movie making yeah. and billionaire joy riding. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Fuck. So this proves we could have been on our way to the United Federation of Planets. Oh yeah. We're just like, nope, let's get Kim Kardashian up there. It'll be great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We we could have been Star Trek, but instead we're, I don't know, Futurama. The real housewives of outer space. Yeah. Some fucking bullshit. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Um, they, uh, let's see. While they're gone, uh, Ash and Ripley attempt to decipher the transmission. The away team. Go ahead, the, uh, the maintenance guys, Brett and Parker, uh, when uh, Ripley says she's going down there. Um, they're all 
what is she coming down here for when previously they were complaining about them not coming down there ever? Yeah. Nope. yeah. Um, w- women bring bad luck. But then uh, when she uh, when she's down there, they have like the, the vents blasting <laughs> to make it seem more dire of a situation than it really was because he just like turns it off as she, after she walks away. Yeah. Uh, um, so, all right. The, the away team discover a crashed alien ship. They enter it, losing radio contact with the ship. And Ripley figures out that the signal is a warning, not an SOS. Did you guys catch this- her uh, futuristic converse? Oh. Yeah, yeah. They've made those shoes. Actually, you used to be able to buy them in like the early two thousands. Wow. Um, this this donut with a bite out of it shape. Uh, they they called the ship the croissant uh, in production. Hmm. Um, but but now it's known as like the derelict ship is kind of what it's known in the the alien lore. I thought it kind of looked like two arms like reaching out to grab something. Yeah. Hmm. This this ship uh, was was the mysterious thing. It was the mysterious object for for many many movies. It didn't come back. Uh, you don't see it in Aliens. You don't mm-hmm. see it in Alien Three or Resurrection. It took Prometheus for this ship to come back. Yeah, as a as a really that was a great surprise in the movie theater. Being like, well, what the fuck is that thing? Oh my god! <laughs> but it was, was it, cool to see that revisited. I feel like um, was Prometheus like. It was a surprise that Prometheus was in the alien universe when it came out, wasn't it? It it was not a surprise, but it was not clearly stated. The marketing didn't have a xenomorph or a face hugger in it because there's right. not if, really if a xenomorph or a face hugger in the movie. Yeah. There is no there is no alien creature like right. this alien in that movie. Yeah. So, all right. So, um they Inside the alien ship, they discover the remains of a giant alien astronaut with uh, the face hugger attached to his face still. Um, he's strapped into a seat. Um, there's some sort of cargo area um, they find filled with eggs. Kane investigates, and while getting a closer look at one, he sees movement inside, and it hatches. The creature bursts through the helmet and attaches itself to his face. Kane descends hundreds of feet into this chamber all the way down on a single line by himself yeah. into the chamber. Um, the laser, the blue laser, that is never, ever again explained anywhere in the alien universe. It mm-hmm. just looks cool. You guys know where they got that? Hmm. The Who. The Who had <laughs> had lasers on the filming, the, the the same set after they were like done using them. They delivered them back to where they picked them up, and they ended up using them so you could see the fog. Ha! That's uh-huh. funny. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Uh, so the team brings Kane back to the ship. Oh, uh, by the way, so the, the, the alien egg where you could, so a couple things. So on the marketing, the famous poster with the egg and it's like the kind of like grid darkness space thing that the famous poster, that's just an egg, a regular chicken egg. That's just a chicken egg. (laughs) Um, and then also, uh, the egg that he's looking at where you can see, the face hugger in there. Um, uh, Ridley Scott put on a rubber glove and stuck his hand in and wiggled it around with backlighting. That's yeah, cool. and there's there's like chickens and oysters and other gunk in there. Mm. Um, and that whole sequence is filmed upside down with a mirror. So because you see the liquid, the condensation dripping upwards. Mm. Right. So it gives you a really otherworldly 
appearance. It's it's really clever because the whole thing is confusing to look at the first time you it see is. it. It all feels very, very strange and alien. And honestly, the shots where they're walking around and the the space jockeys there and everything like that looks amazing. It holds up incredibly well. Because it's a practical set. I mean, they they rebuilt that whole thing for Prometheus. There's a really great uh, uh, Prometheus documentary about the filming of it that's like three and a half hours long. And that goes into a lot of detail about the original set. They almost cut that out of the movie because the production costs of that set were as much as the production costs of all of the interior shots in the Nostromo. Wow. You use it for one brief moment. And that's it. It really makes the movie. Like without it, you don't get the sense of yeah. the larger universe nearly yeah. as much. Um, so, all right. So uh, they bring Kane back to the ship where they enter like the the pressurization chamber. Ripley refuses to open the hatch to the rest of the ship to let them in because of the creature attack to Kane. It would be against quarantine procedures. However, Ash, who is at the hatch, overrides her command and manually opens it up, letting them in. Um, then we cut to Ash and Dallas cutting the helmet off a of cane to find a crab-like creature attached to his face. They scan him, find out it has a tube shoved down his throat, and they decide to remove the creature. They try to cut off one of its legs and discover that its blood is acid, which eats through three levels of the ship's interior. They decide to simply leave it on him for now. So the, the acid blood is interesting. Um, I've, I've read somewhere that uh, O'Bannon kind of painted himself into a corner and he needed the third act to have higher stakes because why can't you just shoot this thing? Why can't we just shoot it and kill it? The acid blood was the answer to that because it can't yeah. be indestructible and unkillable completely. Yeah. But the acid blood was like, well, if you put a hole in this thing, it'll put a hole in the spaceship. So you're kind of in this like uh, prisoner's dilemma kind of situation of like, if we attack it, it's gonna nest it's like defense mechanism will kill us yeah that's, well, that's it's a really like when they strap thing. a bomb to you know a protagonist to, mm-hmm. do, you, do you save their life or everybody else's around yeah 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 and that uh that that's a really interesting like production thing that just kind of got this whole universe kind of kicked off with like acid blood there you go bam it's terrifying now mm-hmm. um that that and the rape metaphor so not yeah. to get too deep into that, but they chose, they oh, distinctly yeah. chose John Hurt to be the first victim because it was this very strong sexual metaphor for, you know, invasive, you know, rape. Yeah. Um, and they didn't want it to be a, a woman victim because they, they wanted to bring men into that experience of like, this is how violated you would feel, and isn't that terrifying? Losing your ability to right. have any have any That's control. The first scary element, before yeah. yeah, what it is because it's you, it's you more than no just more autonomy. Eaten. Yeah, you're yeah. not just getting eaten by a thing; it is sexually invading you mm-hmm. in in a yeah. way that's foreign to us as as humans who procreate, you know. But yeah, I it's such a creative point, yeah. alien thing. Yeah. Anyways, absolutely. I, yeah, uh, I can't pour enough praise onto this movie all the old white guys die pretty much no that's yeah. i love that all the white dudes die and we're just left with um first yeah they'd all die first. so many of them die not so much out of hubris but like they just like old white men they think they know the way to do it mm-hmm. being a hero you get out of my way get out of my way i'll do yeah. it yeah or john hurt being curious and an adventurer you yeah know? yeah 
yeah, if they had just done their job and been like, all right, there's no one alive here. We're just leaving. They would have been yeah. fine. The vibe yep. is intense. Mm-hmm. Let's go. It, was, it was at this point in the movie where Parker and Brett decide to work faster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. A- after witnessing the acid blood. <laughs> the union boss showed up that day. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Uh, Ripley confronts Ash about overriding her authority. He claims that it was his privilege as science officer. Then sometime later, they discover that the creature has detached itself from Kane and is missing. Yeah. Well, and Ripley says, uh, when they're off the ship, I'm the commanding officer. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. in charge. So, yeah, he very much breached protocol. Absolutely. At least as far as we know at this point in the movie. Right. We don't realize that yeah. he has a... That, that he basically has... What was it? Secret Rule 9-something? Yeah. Crew expendable. His ultimate downfall was um, trying to figure out how to answer the question, are you a robot? <laughs> they asked him to play tic-tac-toe and he couldn't beat himself. He's like, <laughs> how does this painting make you feel? I'm trying to sign in, but I don't know how to answer this. <laughs> uh, so, all right. They go looking for the face hugger throughout the ship, discover that it's now died. Ash is excited to test and dissect it. Ripley wants to just leave it on the planet. I love the scare of it falling on Ripley from the vent. Yeah. It is so dumb, but so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I basically wonder if Ripley threw it at her from like off screen. And just before that, uh, uh, Dallas kicks over that can or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Accidentally, that, that was a jumper oh. too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this yeah, this the scares hold up really well in this film. Yeah, at this point the movie is off to the races, man. Oh yeah, it's going. It's it's yeah. no longer sleepy. Mm-mm. You know. Yeah, it is just as going. As soon as now. they're yeah, exactly. Um. So all right. Uh. Let's see. Uh. Kane leaves the, not Kane. Uh. Dallas leaves the final decision up to Ash, and Ash decides to keep the face hugger. <laughs> we find out that Ash is a new science officer, and they haven't worked with him before. Uh, Brett and Parker um, finish the repairs enough that they can leave the planet, even though it's not completely done. Um, this is what you're talking about. He's like, it's good enough. We can go. <laughs> like a Ripley, yeah. Ripley's trying to keep them there and then attempt to get rid of the thing. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. they redock with the cargo vessel. Lambert calculates that they're 10 months away from Earth. They'll have to go back into cryogenic sleep. Kane wakes up and they all decide to have one last meal before freezing themselves for the return ship. I can't decide whether this saved Earth or doomed the crew or both. Like, if they had mm. just cryogenically froze immediately, the the alien probably would have frozen too. They wouldn't it wouldn't have burst yeah. out of him. They would have gotten back well, to Earth. Yeah. Like we saw from the fossilized, from the skeleton, like it, they, they could die. You know what I mean? It's possible for that to happen. It's not like they're immortal. Right. That the, was the, the skeleton even still had a skeletal well, one on it. And, and the alien itself, uh, going deeper into the lore, they go dormant. Even if the alien had oh. burst out of its chest, it would have probably laid dormant for however many decades oh. or however much I thought time it was, it was more like the road just said that like eventually it would starve but hmm. oh no well no no I'm just saying if they had um well no because if they had frozen themselves before the alien yeah. hatched out of uh John Hurt it would have been frozen yes. inside him yeah right and they would have arrived on oh. earth he would have unfrozen and then it would have burst out now yeah, the question is would earth then have been doomed or <laughs> would yes yeah 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 <laughs> 
There, there are some great comic books. Uh, Dark Horse used to have the alien property before Marvel bought everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Disney bought Marvel. Uh, but uh, which also uh, the alien queen is a Disney princess. Um, oh, but but there, there is a there's a there's an alien comic called Earth War, and that's essentially what happens: is one alien makes it into an orbital station, and somebody tries to escape, and the alien gets in with them. Well, uh, okay. So, do you remember the? Do you guys remember the um, teaser poster for Alien Three? It was a picture of Earth, and it said, "This time they're coming home." Mm. Hmm. Um, I remember that. Yeah. Um, prior to finding out that no, they don't go to Earth at all. <laughs> We're gonna go visit Rock. <laughs> We're going to a penal colony yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, everyone expected after Aliens for the third one to be Aliens on Earth. Uh, and at some point, if we, if I get a chance to dedicate or to choose that year in our patron-only podcast, I'm going to choose Alien 3 because there is a fuck ton of shit to unpack just in production <laughs> notes. That, that movie, movie had, had like five or six different scripts that became one script. Yeah, that movie's, um, that movie's history is crazy. Um and it's it's crazy. I forget David Fincher was working that early sometimes. Yeah, each one of those scripts is interesting, but what it became, the cobbled together patchwork that it was, is a disaster. Yeah, I still I still watch it. I I enjoy it, but it's not good. No, no, it's not a good movie. But there's a lot good inside it. Like yeah, there's yeah. some moment to moment stuff that's really great, but the film itself is just a, a hot mess. So well, Sigourney our, Weaver is incredible. Oh God, she's so good. <laughs> in everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alien Resurrection too. There's there's moments, but that movie's terrible. Just absolutely I, I, terrible. I love Ron Perlman and I love Sigourney Weaver, but man, that movie mm-hmm. is a mess. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible mess. Um, that's a Joss Whedon joint. Um, yeah, or written by him, anyways. And, and it suffers as a result. That's one of the first times where you can see the the yeah. real seams in his ability to write ensemble casts. Yeah, he's uh, such a comp. I have such a complex relationship with his work. Him as a person yeah. can fuck off, but his work I have a very complex relationship with. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, let's see. Anyways, we they, uh, they're eating, <laughs> and suddenly an alien bursts out of Kane's chest. It is happening. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, um, <clears throat> go ahead, Brian. I was say, famously, this scene was a surprise to everybody on set. Um, yeah, they had uh, John Hurt strapped to a fake version of his body and they pushed the alien up out yeah. of it. And so like they knew that the cast yeah. knew an alien was going to come out but they had no idea that they were going to um detonate a bunch of squibs to splatter them all with blood. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so that's everything's a first take there and that's their actual genuine and just, reactions. And just like Carrie and her hand coming out of the ground, it's now a staple, a trope. It's now, yeah. you know, we just saw it last week in Monkey Shines. The last jump scare of the movie is alien. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. the monkey. Well, and uh I mean this so there were two takes of this. They the first time they didn't get the alien clean out of the shirt. Uh so they had to go back and get everybody covered in blood, still stressed out. And stick the alien back out of the shirt. Yeah, so so they out. did it again to them. Um, Yafet Kodo uh, has said that he went home and locked himself in a room and just sat alone for the rest of the day because <laughs> he was so stressed out by how this 
experience was. I did the same thing when I rode that stratosphere in Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) I I have such a fear of heights. Yeah. Oh, like an hour in the bar by myself. Oh, man. Just rethinking a lot of shit. I can't watch the scene without thinking about space balls. Same. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We even oh sang it. We were singing the song along to it while it was happening. Hello, my baby. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And I love that they got John Hurt to be in Spaceballs. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, all right. Uh, they have a small ceremony for Kane. Nobody says anything at his funeral. No, <laughs> nobody wants to say any words. It's so, like, wow. Uh, I mean, it's kind of real. Yeah. Like, what do you say about your coworker who dies at work and you're still at work? Right. It's, and you have to bury them at work. It's like, not like he's a loved one. It's not like they yeah. knew him well. He was this dude they worked with. Well, and space travel takes so long. I know time is different in space, but, you know, it's probably something that happens, yeah. you know, on these like cargo hauling situations without it being an alien or nefarious or anything like oh it took us four years this dude died <laughs> well yeah. and and i'm i assume that under normal conditions you freeze the body you bring yeah. them back with you and they have a burial on earth with their family yeah. but in this situation like no what do you do is, yeah this is, he, is... is another one of those things gonna burst out of him yeah at this point they're like Good fuck point. it <laughs> like get him out of here yeah uh, so, all right, they um, go looking for the creature with a cattle prod, a motion detector, and a net. You got to love they have a cattle prod on the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and a yeah, net. I, I a love butterfly te- net. I love when the technology is so vast and futuristic, but the weaponry is so medieval and like just <laughs> so old. Yeah. Well, no yeah. lasers. You know what I mean? Like no, no phasers on stun That's, situation. Well, that, and no cattle prod. Yeah. This was used for cows on earth. Well, and I have to assume they have guns, but they've realized that they should not use them due to the hall breach uh, yeah. pro- like problem. <laughs> right. But again, to my point, you're talking about guns. Yeah. Guns yeah. as we know oh, them. Oh yeah. Yeah. They don't have lasers. They're using weapons as we know them now, but everything else is very futuristic. Well, I mean, even in, even in the sequel, the space Marines all use weapons with actual bullets. They don't have lasers. Yeah. They don't have, you know, That's photon true. torpedoes. Hicks has a shotgun. <laughs> He's carrying like a pump shotgun. With Aliens. Him. Yes. I, um, I, yeah. lo- I love. Firearms are not practical in space. But that's yeah. not yeah. what I mean. Oh, no, no, no. But we're saying but like. Yeah. We're agreeing with you. That, yeah, the yeah, technology yeah, yeah. is like, where are the lasers? Where are the fucking flying cars in this universe, man? I've got some arrows. <laughs> I got yeah. a very small flamethrower. Well, I mean, that, that comes. I have da- things that would get me out of situations on Earth. That comes down to like, I mean, in all the fucking superhero movies we do, like people just fight each other hand to hand constantly. It's like you people, like you're, you're aliens. You have lasers. That, yeah, yeah, firing guns can, that are clearly impenetrable. Yeah, or you could like just fly Superman up and throw somebody tanks. back down at the Earth. You know, like right, Superman. Totally. Like, why are you punching <laughs> anybody? Just throw him. Right? right, kick yeah. everyone. I would never throw a punch. Just I because just they have to everything. set up barricades for the public to watch, like it's a parade. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, all right. Um, they discovered Jones the cat instead, giving us a jump scare. Um, this is great. Getting a cat to hiss on command. They did this with a German shepherd behind his screen. Oh no! <laughs> they pulled it. They pulled it. They pulled Those a blind up, Germans. and the cat was walking towards the thing, and they scared the shit out of it with a dog. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that makes does, um, sense. Does 
Jones get to go into cry? I don't, he does. Cry he does. But he does go into sleep. Yeah. Well. Um. Because yeah, he's he's in the sequel. He's in Aliens. Yeah, that's that's he, her her comfort in Aliens, and she sure. you lucky you lucky thing, and she leaves him behind on Earth and goes back out yeah. to space. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah. I just we never saw him come out of his little cat bed like birds. <laughs> <laughs> I assume. I we assume that he was sleeping with somebody. Yeah, no, no. At the, in the oh, very last somebody. end, she gets in while she's holding him. She's like, you're staying with me, Jones. Yeah. I need a cat right now. I'm so bad. Um, just so for 10 months, it's just this cat doing that kneading thing on her chest, oh, you know, or this sort of. I'd take 10 months that of that. Little thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay. So Jones runs away. They make Brett go after the cat while they continue to search for the alien. They make Brent go after the cat. He goes into the fun line. Fun line. The chain condensation room. What is the chain room? The The wet chains. The the rain and chain chamber. I called it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, because of chain. Why? I was waiting for to see Chang in the (laughs) vents. Like the back of my Chang. So uh, I, I assume that this is some sort of water or air processing thing because of all the condensation mm-hmm. but who fucking knows man who knows what this room is for it's a, well for i mean i know that they, they they're hauling ore. it may have something to do with loading or <laughs> i don't know well, I, I i don't think that they're ever on the or oh, part of the ship yeah. they're only on the nostromo because they go right. from nostromo to shuttle back to nostromo and then they continue hauling their ore. Well, no, no. Doesn't the Nostromo go all... Doesn't the Nostromo itself go down to the planet? Because it's that seems no, much bigger than the off. shuttle. No, no. But the Nostromo breaks off from the ore portion. It's like, oh, it's, it's right. like a semi the hooked up to a trailer. Broke. You're, yeah. you're yeah. right. The Nostromo does leave the ore and then land. Like they, un- yeah. they unhitch the uh, truck part to the trailer. And the shuttle is what we end up in the yeah. very last moments of the movie. That's right. There, there was a cool note at the beginning... Um, which I don't think I'd noticed before that um, the cargo, the Nostromo is the the cargo puller, but the right. cargo, this, the um, tugboat, if you will, uh-huh, yeah. is actually refining. It's processing oh. uh, the ore as they're going. Oh, as they're going. interesting. Um, yeah. It said cargo refinery cargo colon <laughs> refinery processing twenty million tons of mineral ore. Wow, that's really cool, actually. So yeah, not just not just pulling a bunch of ore, but actually getting shit done while it's right. floating. Like as far space. as this universe, how efficient. Like that's really cool. Yeah. That's a cool yeah, guys detail. who mine it also refine it and it shows up ready to use. That's neat. Back on Earth. Is, but isn't there a moment where I believe it's Ripley's somebody says like we we've got to abandon the cargo or well, no, we have to abandon the, the ship. Lambert says, let's just get in the shuttle and abandon the ship. And there's only three spots. I know. I, I swore there was a like one of those lines, like in other movies, like we have to let the cargo go. I mean, she might Never say it mind. at that point, but like it's it's. But she means the Nostromo as well because yeah, the Lambert just wants to bail. Yeah, I see. It's just it's happened lots of times in movies, and sometimes it's well, dramatic of where and like it, we. The only reason why they don't is because there's four of them, and one of them would have to draw straws, right? Oh, that's right. And they don't yeah. realize. They don't realize that Ash doesn't really even need to be frozen. Yeah. Yeah. Smithers is like, but sir, there's two seats. I like to put my feet up. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Um, 
So then Brett gets killed by the alien, which is now the size of a large man. So we see the alien earlier in the sequence hanging from the chains. Mm -hmm. You have to look really closely and it is balled up and hanging above him, which is a cool detail that I've missed many, 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 many times until one day I caught it. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I saw it. It is pretty cool. Totally. Yeah. And the, just the way it unwraps itself and comes down. And just settles down mm-hmm. silently behind him. Yeah. Uh, they they had uh, the actor take Tai Chi lessons so that he could move slowly. And it mm. it paid off, man. That's some yeah. Tai Chi level like. Very interesting movements that it has. Yeah. 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 Um, so, all right. Uh, he, so, Brett's dead. Um, oh, and this is the first time we see the mouth and the second mouth. Come out. Yeah. This is the first time we see the alien. Yeah. Yeah. At all. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. last time we saw it, it was smaller than a cat. Mm -hmm. And as far as jaws in space, like you mentioned earlier, like, yeah, it was the same kind of buildup. Took its time before it showed you. Mm -hmm. We're at, what, an hour when the alien first shows up? Yeah. We're almost halfway through this thing. Yeah. In in an hour 56 runtime. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so now the crew meets, um, they know Brett's missing. They discover that the alien, they assume the alien took him through the air shafts. Uh, they decide they're going to use flamethrowers against it as they don't have much of anything else that won't breach the hall. Uh, Dallas talks to mother who can't or won't uh, tell him how to get rid of the alien. Sorry. Go ahead, Al. uh, The way Parker was talking, it sounded like, um, off screen, um, maybe they had, witnessed part of uh brett yeah. being taken away because because mm. you they're you talking about how scream yeah they they're talking about how big it is it's like is bigger than a man or something like that um uh but yeah i feel like they must have like walked in and saw him get dragged up into the ducts that makes mm. sense yeah yeah because yeah. they are they are just around the corner and they kind of just said like yeah go go grab him around the corner yeah, and he's looking so, for Joe. Uh, so, all right. Um, at this point, Dallas decides to go into the air shafts to look for it himself while the crew communicates with him over radio and track the alien with the motion sensor. I love that it had the same, it had the same like little uh, bleeps that they use in the second movie too. <laughs> yeah. like, it's in the room, man. Man, it's in the room. Game over. Game over, again, man. Again, they did it in The Simpsons beautifully. Yeah. So Santa's little helper was up yeah. in the vent. Uh, Tom Skerritt is the hero, as far as we can tell. Yeah. According to every movie that's ever come before this, Harrison Ford turned down the role of Dallas. Mm. Good. Good. Yeah, seriously. But thinking of that, like watching this movie in 79, like, they're all right, we're going to turn this thing around. Like yeah. thinking of the Predator, Arnold at the end of Predator. Yeah. He fights it in hand-to-hand combat covered in mud. Well, yeah, and even, like, if, even if you know, like, okay, we've got like a solid 40 minutes of the movie left. Like, oh, at this point, he's going to fight it. Maybe it'll get away. And like, yeah. Right. He's going to get He'll a nasty scar something. from that acid or something. Yep. Yeah. He's going to get a knife in his teeth. Arr. No. Th- nope. This is the nope. biggest shocker is Tom Skerritt dying at this point. Yeah. Because he was the lead. He was the lead of the film as far as anybody knew. Well, now that John Hurt is already dead. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, all right. Um, yeah. And Dallas just ends up getting straight up killed by the alien in the vents. Yeah. And and outmaneuvered and out-strategized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
by this alien creature that we don't see until the, the single greatest shot of the alien uh, in all of these movies. Bah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, but, I mean, again, they're truckers. They're just space truckers. So, yeah. you know, obviously nobody could prepare for this particular alien, but um, yeah, they're just not. Yeah. That's not their skill set. Yeah. He's a mall ninja. Yeah. He's like, I yeah. got this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have a replica katana in my bunk. I'll go yeah. get it. Well, and you know he's what? He's essentially the foreman of a hauling operation. Yeah. And you know yeah. what? Maybe he's a kind of a rough and tumble guy, but sure. he's not like fighting an alien level guy. Yeah. He's well, not a not commando, going, you know? It's not yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Fighting is one thing, but like, yeah, going into a ventilation system and hunting him, that's out of his pay grade. Well, Absolutely. And, and their their tactics seem sound. We can scare it with the flames and we'll find it and we'll scare it down this thing and out yeah. of the airlock. This Much makes like perfect the sense. way you would a possum. All those yeah. ideas were the same way as getting a raccoon out of your house. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna catch it on a cup and a magazine, and we're gonna toss yeah. it out the window, yeah. light it on fire. All right, yeah. okay. Now, uh... oh god, we burned the house down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right, the remaining crew meet. Ripley is now the ranking officer. Lambert wants to abandon the ship, but their escape shuttle won't hold all four of them. Uh, Ripley comes up with the plan to corner it, decompress the area it's in, and blow it into space. She goes to talk to Mother herself at this point and discovers that Ash has been secretly ordered to bring the alien back to Earth with the crew considered expendable. It is, yeah. Again, Alien Isolation, there's a DLC uh, extra game that you can play called Crew Expendable where you play as Ripley. Oh, wow. Um, And the crew of the Nostromo. And it's really, really fun and it's impossible. I've never beaten anything in this game besides like my head against my like wall. Because I just keep getting terrified and eaten by the alien. Yeah. So, uh, uh, special order nine thirty seven. Nine thirty seven. This is the point where we discover that Ash is the secondary antagonist. Yeah. 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 Which is established throughout the rest of the alien universe that there's not just the alien to worry about. It is the corporation and its bio or its uh, and its android uh, biomechanical whatever robots well and see yeah. that that was one of the great things about the sequel is then um there's another android as played by yeah. um oh shit what's his name um it's Bishop lance is, lance is the android. lance hendrickson Hendrickson. lance hendrickson, hendrickson yeah. yeah yeah um and you know you expect him to again betray ripley yeah. but instead it's paul riser that betrays her yeah well <laughs> and again the corporation is truly the villain because yeah ash is just a he's, he's an automaton yeah, you know? he's doing what he's the, not making choices. He he does clearly seem to be malfunctioning at the end, like being a little glitchy and he's like sweating the milk and everything. But, um, you know, but it, and he's life's hard in space for an android. It is. Start sweating that milk, man. You <laughs> got to take a break. Out here for uh, so, all right. Ash attacks her. They fight. He, he shoves a magazine in her mouth. He's going to choke her That's to death intense. on a magazine. Yeah. An old school people magazine because they don't I, have the internet so so this makes me wonder <laughs> really if, if this is service. is this a way to like skirt the the rules of robotics what's that uh asimov's oh, three rules yeah that you can't harm humans or whatever um he's like this was your subscription you know <laughs> <laughs> absorb the information the infotainment 
Because, <laughs> I mean, he could have very easily just, like, broken her neck or, like, depressurized yeah. the room that Mother is in. He you could know? have done like, any number of things to kill her. Knew yeah. that that was disturbing. Yeah. you hadn't seen it before, you know? Yeah. And you're like, holy fuck, that's a terrible way to go. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right. Uh, uh, she's saved by Parker and Lambert in the process. Um, Parker knocks Ash's head off. And we discover With he's a an fire android. extinguisher, right? Yeah. He just like brute force. <laughs> it's just like it's a robot. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I, I don't think we mentioned this earlier. Ripley and Dallas have a conversation at one point where he asks him, she asks him, Did you do you trust him? He goes, I mean, I don't know, it's not my job to do whatever. He goes, Have you served with him before? He goes, I served with the same science officer for five trips. And then this is and the last day before we were we sent out. They, the company sent Ash to be our science officer. Mm -hmm. Uh So the company was aware of this distress signal probably all along, Mm. which is an interesting thing. Like it's, it's probably not a coincidence that he got sent. So they knew they were going to be stopped. So the company probably knew they were going to be stopping them for the signal on the way back. Yeah. Which is why he makes a very strong argument from the very beginning and says, you know, mother, is calling you mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of things and and we'll not that we'll get there in the podcast but like you see these things in the the prequel movies prometheus and covenant that the company is very aware throughout that that there are aliens that exist in the universe yeah well so that's a big question too is like that was one of my unanswered questions Sticking to just this movie, <laughs> it was an unanswered yeah. question for me, is how aware is humanity of alien species? I think that maybe somewhat, which um, goes back to the point of that's why these blue collar guys didn't really, you know, yeah. like, they had no business responding to a distress yeah, but, signal. Yeah, and they also, they well, didn't seem flabbergasted by the spaceship. They weren't like, oh my God. They were like, right. oh, this is an interesting thing. So I could believe that contact with some... ETs has happened with something. Uh, well, with and nothing like this again, it's not in this movie, but alien and aliens kind of, they, they're a very small universe compared to all those other alien properties. They, there's the mention of what is this? Another bug hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So they, so, they may have mm-hmm. encountered lesser beings that don't, that aren't like as conscious or as aware as us or as the alien even. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's more, you know, more on the level of, I mean, kind of, Probably Starship Troopers level kind of stuff. Yeah, space cockroaches are not the alien. Yeah, exactly. This, this is a des- designed for killing. Yeah, yeah. So um, they reactivate <laughs> Ian Holmes' head and talk to him for a bit, <laughs> <laughs> just enough to be able to play it like an old Nintendo or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, this movie. There are a couple of things that don't hold up like the rest, and this the moment where the head gets knocked off, and he's going like. Bah, bah, yeah, making sounds, but man, <laughs> his head—the moment that he starts talking—I love the the way that they were able to like edit this into a sequence that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? um, he's I, clearly got his head through a board, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah obviously, but, he's he's crouched course, under yeah. a table. Yeah, but, but uh, I'm still able to believe all of it. You know. Yeah, sure. I ain't got nobody. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read an anecdote that um, in a uh, in a uh, early screening of this. That um, an usher passed out when uh, his head came off his body. <laughs> it was so shocking. 
<laughs> yeah, remember when fainting was a thing? Right. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like I think people, people fainted. What? Not enough food, and they were on that like cocaine and cigarettes diet. It was. Oh, the I know it as a physical phenomenon. Yeah. It's like, but I, I mean, The Exorcist. And I, oh, right. Yeah, that used to be a thing. Like people, pe- people fainting, fainting in movies. There were people that had uh, heart attacks during what was that uh, Passion of the Christ movie? Oh God! Um, I mean, heart also attacks, they, I understand. they were they were killing Jesus on screen. That can be a very intense for some people. Um, sure, but so like, I get that. Generally, fainting if it's not for a physiological reason, like you said, low blood yeah. sugar, uh, dehydration, or something, it's a response that your mind and body uses when fight or flight is involved Fails. somehow yeah uh, you know like we don't know what to do <laughs> so yeah. yeah a movie well and a movie about a possessed little girl made your brain just shut the fuck down the the only modern things i ever see about this are all these videos that they p- take of people on roller coasters and like the slingshot where they're fainting during that's the only time i see anyone fainting in a modern setting from fear yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that we used to do it in the movies because well, I've seen a lot of scary movies and I've never come close. And I don't. Yeah. And I don't think that those those like roller coaster slingshot kind of videos are necessarily fear. I think that's blood pressure. That's oh. lack of blood pressure to your brain because mm. your body is working overtime to pump blood up. That's why I say if you're it. ever in a high G situation, clench your butt cheeks really hard and it'll make your blood go up a little oh. bit higher than it does normally. So you'll have a few more seconds before you pass out. Right. Um, Because gravity is working against you. Your blood is pooling at your heart level or lower. um, And your oxygen intake. Plus all that cocaine. Yeah. All the cocaine definitely didn't help. But um, I, another anecdote was that people were literally moving from the front of the theater to the back to get further away from the screen. Again, it's hilarious. Seventy-nine. It's not like the Great Train, or you know, or the Edison's like films of the beach, and people are like, "Whoa, the waves!" For for me, (laughs) Josh and Al, at least, this was in our lifetimes. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. that train's not going to stop. It's coming right at me. Yeah, the closest thing I can think of is kids lightsaber fighting during Attack of the Clones. Yeah, like I want to be involved, man. So, all right. Um, so, yeah, he t- when they reactivate his head, he tells them that he was assigned to assure the creature makes it back to Earth. He sympathizes with their situation, but like, too bad. The alien's awesome, guys. Um, so they turn him off and uh, Parker <laughs> burns him up. Flamethrower finally got its work in, man. Yeah. Uh, Ripley decides they're going to go ahead, go into the shuttle and blow up the ship. Parker and Lambert get ambushed um, and killed by the creature while getting life support supplies together. Um, Ripley overhears this on the radio. Why couldn't Lambert turn around or why couldn't she? Uh... Fear. It was fear. She was just paralyzed by fear. She. That's what yeah. I had said, yeah. She, well, and, and her screams Andrea thought we missed something. drew Parker into the room to, mm-hmm. to watch this happen and the alien kills him first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and... um. So, yeah, Lambert um, was written to be the audience surrogate. So she's she's the one who's constantly scared, constantly like, let's get the hell out of here, guys. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and Yafet Koto is the most heroic out of everybody. Absolutely. He yeah. is ready. He has put aside all of his grudges, and he is like, let's fucking kill this thing. You and me, girl, we're yeah. going to do this. We got to make sure that Lambert doesn't die 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And it was refreshing because, you know, as we all know, usually the black guy dies first. I loved classic horror trope. I, I, yeah. I wonder how 1979 audiences felt about the fact that um, the black dude and, and two ladies were the ones that like that were making it. Yeah. yeah. All the white yeah. dudes. It's like, but white dudes run everything and everything's they're, perfect. They're going to start a space colony somewhere. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to teach critical race theory and it's just going to be good. Uh, uh, so uh, Ripley makes her way to the bridge. She initiates the self-destruct sequence, gives her five minutes to turn it off and 10 minutes until the ship blows. I love the five minutes to turn off the self-destruct sequence. It is so, it adds so much more anxiety to it being 10 minutes till the ship explodes. Absolutely. (laughs) absolutely. You can change your mind, but you've got five minutes to do it. Right. There's a pre-countdown countdown to be worried about. After five minutes, (laughs) the ship's blowing no matter what. And it just keeps interrupting at random intervals. It's like, dude. Look, I got five minutes. Shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to concentrate. Uh, so um, she tr- she grabs the cat and tries to get to the shuttle, um, but finds the alien blocking her way. So she goes back to the bridge to turn off the self-destruct, but she does not make it in time. Moments. Moments. Seconds. Away. Yeah, she had seconds. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's all these like it's supposed to take multiple people to do all these steps, yeah. kind of like two two keys in the uh, the submarine. Yeah, and she's like these hydraulic like arms that she has to pressurize, and little cylinders that she has to drop in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like Rube Goldberg type devices that have to be established for yeah. this to work. And she had to take the time to read the instructions. Yes, That's she true. had to look at yeah. it and make sure she put in the code correctly and everything. And yeah, by the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, she just heads back towards the shuttle. Luckily, the alien's not there in her way, so she gets in the shuttle, launches it, and gets away just as the ship blows. Ah, to everyone's great relief in the audience. Yeah. We are all so happy that she made it away from that alien and that ship. Yep. She's in the shuttle. She's getting undressed. Um, I would like to point out that so that 1979 Sigourney Weaver was indeed a hottie, but she did not have much of an ass. For all those no. ass lovers out there, they're going to be dis- disappointed in those panties. Well, and, and she's still so badass. Oh God, yeah. In, in this, like, because she's she's very exposed. Obviously, she's wearing like a tank top and like underwear. Mm-hmm. But even in this, I'm like, yeah, you know, for a wiry woman. I wouldn't fuck with Sigourney Weaver, man. She Hell just survived no. all no. of this and is still like, yeah, it is, this is a great like feminine hero moment. There was, I don't know if you're, you, Brian, may be too young. Um, I only know, <laughs> you weren't alive for much of the 80s. Um, and, uh, but I remember um, it was uh, uh, when Aliens came out, she was referred to as Rambolina a lot. <laughs> In, that's the curly hair on, man like that, Jean, that, i remember gene shallot specifically saying that i remember reading it in um newspaper reviews of aliens rambolina rambolina uh in a celebrity death match type sort of way i think the only one that could take on ripley is sarah connor yeah i still i still put my money on ripley i my two my oh, two oh, like, i didn't mean she and, would win but you know oh, what i mean match oh up. yeah there are so many great female antagonists from horror movies we love but yeah Sarah Connor and, and Ripley. 
as far as like survivability, in my mind, the two greatest protagonists of all time are Ellen Ripley and Indiana Jones. Nothing yeah. can kill these people. That is Nothing. true. Laurie Strode. I told she's about to drop yeah. another Halloween movie. Laurie Strode in in the yeah. which I would like to point out. This is a sequel to the uh, second sequel to the sequel of the first Halloween. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. It's weird because uh, H2O is one of my favorite. Yeah, but ones. it doesn't exist and in the new very... timeline. No, because that's that Laurie did not become this Laurie. No, not at all. Well, she no, was and... like the dean of students did... at a college. Did Jason Voorhees like cut a rip in the time space continuum with a knife? I don't. He went Maybe. to. I mean, he went to space, <laughs> but he Jason Voorhees. Space? But but he found a he found a like a oh, wormhole. But not Mike Myers. Yeah, yeah, Mike Myers. Yeah. So, um, or sorry, yeah, Mike Myers. My dad. <laughs> yeah, we know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so she's getting ready to get into the uh, cryo chamber when she just happens upon the alien tucked away in his little cubby, <laughs> curled up. Yep. Yeah. Little feller's all species. Little feller ate a bunch, and now he's all tuckered out. Uh-huh. Similar, similar to your question from earlier, um, is the alien had had she not discovered the alien before going into cryosleep, would it have died or would it have been there when someone discovered her and taken the rest of the ship? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it probably would have been fine. If she says she's 10 weeks away from the frontier. Nothing ain't dying in 10 weeks. Yeah, it's true. Um, so <laughs> it is true. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, so she, uh, she slowly puts on a spacesuit. Um, she uses some gas to flush it, flush it out of its little hidey hole and, uh, opens the airlock door. She, you forgot the harpoon gun. Oh yeah. She gets the harpoon gun. Grabs the harpoon gun. Yeah. Blast blast it out. Which is on a, which is on the shuttle for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. For some reason they decided she needed a harpoon on the shuttle. (laughs) Hey, if it worked for Nantucket whalers. (laughs) What if there's some space whales? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to space for a few years. What do you got? I got my harpoon. Well, this is this is just part one of Ripley as Ahab. <laughs> is that an indoor you know? harpoon? Yeah. yeah, that's true. Because she very it very much becomes her her whale. Absolutely, yeah, we see that in the sequel. When yeah. I told Jude that in by the fourth movie she's a half alien clone, he was like, "No, <laughs> no, I can't watch that." Oh, you got to take him on this adventure, man! I'm excited. Yeah, dude. Uh, but uh, so um. Yeah, it gets blasted, but it grabs on, so she shoots it with the gun, but then that grabs on to, uh, that, that locks the it onto the closes. ship, and the door closes. And, the- <laughs> and so the alien starts trying to crawl into the ship's engines, so she blasts the thrusters, and, yeah. it, and it blasts it off into space. Even when it was floating away in space, I was like, I would watch that thing until it was a dot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the rear view. Um, so, uh, her and Jones get back into the, the cryogenic chamber and she, uh, records her final log entry and they go to sleep on the way back to earth. Roll credits. Certainly she'll arrive at earth within 10 weeks. The last line of the film is, uh, come on, come on, cat. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cute. Um, Yeah. Ripley is singing, You Are My Lucky Star. 
to oh, yeah. herself to keep herself calm. And I guess they had to pay a shit ton of money to secure the rights of this. Wow. And it was Sigourney Weaver's idea. She's like, I should be like singing something as I'm like to calm myself down. Yeah. Quietly to myself to do this. Cause that's what a normal person would do in this mm-hmm. situation. That's what a yeah. real person like calm sure. yourself down. Don't panic. Don't Self panic. You'll pass out. Yeah. But it's funny that they would pay so much money when they could just use like itsy bitsy spider or something. Right. Yeah. For no, nothing. Huh. Two notes on the credits. Um, they take less than three minutes. The which credits. is the credits refreshing. Do? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it was 79 and they didn't have 750 CGI artists to credit. I was going to say animators. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, they credit the hairdresser and the cat trainer before the cast. <laughs> nice. Fucking hell. hell yeah. Well, because the cast, uh, isn't the cast listed at the very beginning? Yeah, there is a. Yes. So yeah. this is this is still in the era of listing the the credits before the movie. Yeah. Um, and they at the I think the cast was like the last scroll uh, to go. Um, There's only seven of them. Yeah. Uh, nine. Nine. Oh, that's right. The alien and uh, the cat mother and mother. Yeah. Yeah. They're- well, good for them. Obviously, you can't make movies without actors. There's no doubt, but. A lot of people work harder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Which the Hollywood strike is uh, is about to really kick off right now. IATSE yes, is like is. gearing up for a serious, serious strike. Yeah. We'll see what happens it's about with that. To, it's about to go down. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. Good luck. Last, last, time, last time we had a strike, it inadvertently led to a Trump presidency. It's true. The writer's strike? Yep, the writer's strike. Yep. The writer's strike is what led to um, the uh, Apprentice. Oh my God! Being greenlit, which is what led to Trump becoming a uh, larger celebrity in the 21st century, rather than that old real estate dude who who filed for bankruptcy a bunch. Yep. Yeah. And if he had gotten some Emmys, I don't think he would have even run. I know I've said that before, but like if Pete, because the world always loved to laugh at him, he's a clown. Since he hit the scene in the 70s, well, it was always a joke. That, so they purposefully didn't give him awards, and that makes him mad. Well, that that plus, have you guys? I mean, the I correspondence s- dinner, the correspondence dinner. That oh yeah, that is a super yeah. villain origin story right there. That is like the moment that yeah, the uh, the Lion yeah. King music mm. to Obama right. describing his birth certificate. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Well, and, calling and just by name. calling out Trump by name, and Trump sitting there just glaring, glaring, not having not having the dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He ne- and he never went again. Yeah. Nope. Never went again. He didn't have the a King. correspondence dinner like that. That is the moment where he decided he was going to fuck up the entire world because of this. Yeah. The king yep. who did not appreciate gestures mm-hmm. at all, off with their head. Yeah. So. Anyways, Alien, <laughs> pretty good movie. Yeah, uh, one of my favorites, man. Definitely top five for me, all around film. I love this great. movie. It's a damn good movie. Damn good movie. Um, so I have a newly spare room in the house, and I set the projector up, so I watched it pretty large. Oh wow! Like a small movie theater screen. Nice. And it was. It was great. Yeah, I bet. Awesome. That's awesome. Um. 
I have a few minor unanswered questions. Why were the facehuggers on the alien ship to begin with? Did they find them and were they bringing them back somewhere? Like, That's a question that's not answered yet. Yeah. If if Ridley Scott makes a third one in his prequel trilogy like he's planning on, we may get an answer. Um, but we are slowly having the origins of the alien itself revealed. It is not a naturally occurring creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, genetically engineered? It is, yeah. So the the space jockey engineers, literally, they, they play with biological life and are the creators of life on the Earth and throughout the universe. Yeah, obviously some people wanted that alien brought back for science or weaponry. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. I th- I, I'm, I'm absolutely that's certain that the corporation plot. planned on making them into some sort of like super soldier weapon type thing. Right, yeah. which is why they installed um, Ian Holmes' character yeah. at the last minute. The ending of Alien Covenant, it is revealed that the company knows that there is a creature that exists, and there are in embryonic form. But this right. is before the, the ship crashes on LV-426, which is the planet that we go to in Alien. Maybe the whole mission was contrived, you know? Yeah. You know I mean? Like, these guys are expendable. They're just yeah. haulers. Yeah. No, no one will miss them. And right. it's true. It's true. Yeah. When we Nobody see them in aliens. We're not going to send a ship just to extract some eggs. Right. Like, well, and and spoilers, Ripley doesn't get back to Earth for 56 years. Yeah. So, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. She's in cryogenic sleep for 56 years. Which, uh, and again, Alien Isolation, the video game, is about her daughter trying to get answers. Her daughter is the only person that is aware of this and tries to follow up which is really interesting. She gets a job for Wayland yutani and sort of hops around the uh, galaxy trying to figure out where she was last. Oh. That's it's a great story. Uh, even if you watch YouTube videos on people playing it through, it is, it is canon and it fits mm. really well into the universe. Oh, cool. With some Joe? great reveals. I don't know. Um, one other question I have. Um, do you think the alien died in space? Or did it just float around until it happened upon like a ship or a meteor? Like, I don't, it was, it was fine outside of the ship. Like it was okay. It wasn't exploding. It wasn't seeming like it was running out of breath. It was just kind of hanging out in space. So again, I fucking love alien. And I think about this movie universe way too much. I have a theory that the alien does not need to eat people to live. I think that it can process anything mm. to to create cellular stuff. So by being exposed to atmosphere, it stays alive. And anytime that it's not able to have atmosphere or whatever, it goes into like a stasis. And mm. just and the moment it's you know it's like a bug that when it dries out and you you give it a little bit of water and all of a sudden the bug comes back to life. You're like, oh shit, yeah, how mm-hmm. that happened. That that was kind of the idea behind it. It's not clearly stated anywhere, but my my theory is that like you give it a little bit of atmosphere and bam, it's magic. It's happening. Yeah, I was thinking it might just be floating around out there until it hits something eventually, which you know, space is big. It could be decades, centuries, who knows? But yeah, I uh, I read the novelization uh, way back. I don't remember it much, um, but I looked up a couple of notes on it. Um, somebody mentioned the scene was in the novelization and it was like an unused scene from the movie. Like they shot it, but it didn't fit where 
when they are looking for the the creature before Brett gets it, um, they find a bunch of like canned goods that have been consumed. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so it was eating something. <laughs> Beefaroni. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. In in the deleted scenes, so I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Uh, the deleted scenes that made it into the director's cut, you see, because we see Brett killed. Brett is his face is destroyed by the secondary mandible thing inside the alien's mouth, but we don't see Dallas or Lambert killed. Mm. They are both oh, uh, off screen, off screen deaths. <laughs> um, it's assumed that they are killed, right? But in the director's edition of this, they are placed up against a wall inside like this kind of, it looks like the alien skin. Like we'll see in alien aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, the, it was essentially creating a nest inside the Nostromo. Uh-huh. Makes sense. The, that too was in the novelization. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah, makes a lot of sense because then lays eggs next to them, and when the face huggers hatch, they have something to, yeah, yeah. Uh, Essentially, they can they can metamorphosize into a queen if there isn't one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, yeah. I I I I feel like I've told this st- before on air somewhere, but when James Cameron was pitching the sequel to Alien, he just walked into the uh, the office of whatever executive they were pitching to and uh went to uh went to a chalkboard and wrote alien turned and looked at them went back wrote an s looked at him again and then put a line through it for a dollar sign and walked out of the room that guy the rest is history man yeah he was not wrong at all absolutely was not wrong it's a good thing he's James Cameron because he actually made a damn good movie, but well, and it's interesting not to get too deep into aliens, but this is a sci-fi horror movie and that is a sci-fi action movie. Absolutely. They are different genres of film. Yeah. Completely. Mm -hmm. That take place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, after that, every, I feel like everyone after that is kind of a mixture of, of, of horror action that tries to kind of combine the first two films as genres in a way. Yeah. But the second well, one is once a, once a creature's been seen, you know, well, you have to turn it more into an action dealing with that creature battling mm-hmm. as we see in Jaws you can't 2 and 3 reveal again. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> no, but it's yeah. like it's like it's kind of like this. It's like imagine if yeah. in um if in Halloween John McClane showed up in Hanfield <laughs> And to take oh, up like, shit, yeah, man, like, I'd watch that movie. That's that's what Aliens is kind of like. Um, I, I, Prometheus, I I am a, an apologist for this movie. I like it more than it probably deserves credit for. Um, it is the only one of these that I would say follows that. Like, it is a different genre of film mm. because it is kind of a uh, it's kind of a high sci-fi, high fantasy sci-fi take on the alien universe Uh, people will disagree with me all day every day on this but i think that it it was an attempt at expanding the alien property into something new Mm. instead of rehashing horror and action it was definitely it definitely was totally very different than every previous alien film absolutely yeah i'd agree with you yeah so i think it suffered as a result but i still love it yeah 
that's that's yeah i don't know there there's a like i haven't seen i've only seen how many alien predator movies have there been now two three I haven't four seen at, least, at least three there's alien versus predator avp2 avp requiem oh, yeah. i think i, I think I, i've only seen the first one yeah i've seen most of them once and i don't really care for them they don't count they're not canon <laughs> yeah um, so i mean here's the thing then so predator is the same universe it's true when uh if we ever at any point uh, as we've maybe talked about like move run out of superhero movies and move into doing uh um move into doing uh different franchises <laughs> theoretically oh, alien is- might encompass something like 12 movies this is my vote, man, because there's a lot of material to get into. And there's some really good comic book material that feeds into that. Um, Prometheus, famously uh, not well received. There's a comic book that explains a lot of the unanswered questions in Prometheus mm. um, that ties in the Predator, the Engineers, and the Alien in a really ex- interesting way. I don't want to call it exciting, but it's fun. Um, you know, I like bad media, though. I like shit that sucks to most people. <laughs> I think. So do I. The worse it is, the more fun I have with it. So yeah, a lot of yeah. the time. So. Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts on Alien, guys? Before we move on. Um, if I had only seen this movie, this would be an unanswered question. Um, is the ship owned by Purina? Is Purina the company? <laughs> um, is there a reason you have for thinking Purina might be the red and white? The logo was Decker. everywhere. Mm. Huh. The Purina logo mm. was. Yeah, uh, I was uh, even in one of the first shots before they woke up. It was on the door. Mm-hmm. Huh. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't exact, like the the check logo. Yeah, the checkered, red, yeah, yeah, red and white, the huh. red and white check. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah, they're using the ore to make cat food. Obviously, <laughs> it was designed by dogs. They're just testing it on Jones throughout the trip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. All right, that uh, draws a close to our Alien episode, which means it's time to look to next week. And next week on Haunted Phosphorescence, we will be watching Young Frankenstein. Oh, my God. Yay. <laughs> yes. So good. I'm so excited for this. Yes. Oh, a great movie. Yeah, that's a really good movie. This is one I've actually watched fairly recently. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I watch it every now and then for sure. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That is next week. Join us, everyone, for Young Frankenstein next week. Thanks for hanging out with us on Haunted Fonsvorescence. This has been your host, Throw Smiley, and now it's back to the old freezerino for me. (laughs) I'm Josh Cece, and I only get paid half of what these other guys do. (laughs) I'm Brian Leshen. I don't want to hear it. I want to go home and party. I'm Alaric Weber. Still collating. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.